The cinemas, the silver screen, the theater, the big screen. No matter what name you give these houses of film, there's one thing we can all agree on. We love to go to the movies. Looking good, Francis. Well rested. Like you've been pitching, not catching. Play long enough, you never change the stakes. The house takes you. Unless, when that perfect hand comes along, you bet big, and then you take the house. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me. If you ask me, everybody in this theater is a giant sucker. Especially you. It's a bit nipply out. I mean nippy out. <laughs> what did I say? Nipple. <laughs> I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. Win or lose, we're gonna walk out of the stadium tonight with our heads held high. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. We've had a doozy of a day. Real doozy. I only eat popcorn. Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. Welcome to Chuck Goes to the Movies. And now. Here is your master of cinema, Jeffrey Chuck Norris. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Chuck Goes to the Movies. On our last episode, my brother and I began our dive into Infinity War, but we really started uh, scratching at the surface of the entire MCU. And today, we're going to continue scratching away at it as we move into literally the endgame of 10 years of movies and talk about Marvel's Endgame, not the end of the Phase 4, like we uh, were talking about, you know, last week, you know, how it was actually Spider-Man Far From Home that was the end of the Phase 4, but this is the culmination of all those events, so we're really excited to sit here and talk about it. We previewed a lot of what we wanted to talk about this week, uh, last week's episode, so uh, we're going to try not to keep you from it too much longer, but I would not be doing my job if I did not make the following request of you all, so... I'm sorry if you get tired of hearing this. Please be sure to give a follow on Instagram or Twitter. That is the best way to keep up with everything happening on the show. Rate and review the show wherever you are capable of doing so. All reviews will get a shout out on Instagram and on the show. And also be sure to check out the Patreon page because it's a wonderful way to support small time creators like myself. So why don't we just take refuge in a spaceship, leave one of the most heart wrenching messages in the Iron Man helmet. And we're going to go join Tony Stark and team as we discuss Endgame.
tremble. So, Robert, welcome back. What's going on? <laughs> it's going, man. Uh, technical difficulties a little bit over here, I guess, but hey, we're working on it. But um, yeah, I'm excited to be here today to uh, continue our discussion here in the MCU. Me too. Me. It's been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming. We always sit here and manage to squeeze in some sort of MCU uh, tangent in all our episodes and stuff like that. So it's actually kind of fun to sit here and talk about and in you know in its in, not in its entirety, but in more detail the MCU. And last week we ended up doing a Star Wars tangent, which again is not totally unusual for us. But we'll see what happens this episode and what tangent will end up. Uh, going on but so since there's very little time between the time we talked infinity war and the mcu and this one i'm going to go ahead and just skip over the pleasantries of what you have been watching or anything like that and we can just that was pretty good what yeah i actually watched the movie last night that was pretty good oh well then let's go ahead and just deal with the pleasantries what do you got um stowaway Stow- it was on netflix i was just looking for a movie last night to watch and I was flipping through, and there's only four character, like four actors in the whole movie. Um, Tony Collette's one of them, and um, Anna Kendrick. Oh, and I saw I a preview like for that. Yeah, um, they take off to space for a two-year mission, and there was a, a worker who I guess was inspecting the ship, and I, I think fell and knocked himself unconscious. So he ended up going up with them, and um, they found him. And he was still unconscious when they found him. But the problem is they only had enough air for three people instead of four people for two years. So that not a bad movie. <laughs> that completely screws up all their plans. Yeah. Interesting. So, so yeah, Daniel Day Kim, Tony Collette, um, Anna Kendrick, and um, the stowaway. I, I can't remember his name. I hadn't seen him in anything before. Or he, he kind of kind of did look familiar, but yeah, it was a, it was a pretty good movie. Huh, it looked fascinating. It looked a little out of um, out of place for like uh, Anna Kendrick and Tony Collette. Yeah. But okay, I will have to that. find uh, some time to give that a try. And I started uh, season four of Handmaid's Tale this morning. That's a good show. Still never seen an oh, episode of it. Great show. And that's about it in the past two days. <laughs> you know, I've been watching the past two days. Absolutely nothing. I don't have time for anything anymore. Yeah. Work is getting busy, man. I have time to sit down and watch the movies that I need to talk about, but I just really don't have time to do anything else. Um, there was movie. Uh, there was movie. There was a movie that I popped on yesterday just like so I could have something on in the background while I was doing some work around the house and of course then I ended up like staring at the you know TV while I was doing it um sense and sensibility I threw that on because I've seen the movie a million times but I guess it's just been a while since I've actually seen it and I was like oh I forgot how great this movie actually was so I'm cleaning up around the house and just keeping one eye on the TV the whole time but that that's it for me really it's a good movie i i don't think you'd like it it's you know it's very (laughs) slow but i call i like i only put it on the voodoo because mom gave me the the code for it yeah 
I, I I like it. Um, you know, I, I like Jane Austen. I, I've read a lot of uh, Jane Austen books and stuff like that. So I like to watch the uh, movie adaptations as well. And I like to call this movie the uh, adult Harry Potter cast trial because a lot of the people in this movie um, have been in the Harry Potter franchise at some like either just in one movie or in multiple movies. Uh, it was actually kind of surprising how many people um, in this one movie have been throughout the entire Harry Potter franchise. So I don't know. It's, it is what it is. All right. So cool. cool. Yeah. Let's dive in to Endgame. So let's uh, talk about some fun movie facts real quick about the movie before we start diving into our real discussion here. So this movie came out April 26th of 2019. It is, what is today? April 29th. So it is over just a little over two years old. It, it feels like it feels like yesterday this movie came out. It really does. It feels like yesterday Karen and I went and sat down in the theater to watch this thing. And it's hard to believe it's already been two years. Yeah. Two years, three days ago. Yeah. Crazy. Absolute crazy. And as usual, and I'm sure you're doing the same thing too, I have it on here uh, beside me as we're talking about it. And immediately, I'm already just flooded with the emotions. I'm at the part where Captain Marvel delivers Iron Man back to Earth. And it's... Okay, I'm already past that. Oh, you see? I guess I started a little for you. Well, we, I, we're they're, reverse they're of last right time. Thanos is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, I was the one who was ahead last time. Uh, some box office uh, info here. So the budget, the estimated budget was $356 million. So again, on par with its predecessor, Infinity War. Uh, and I actually began to wonder about this. By the way, I did not... I told you on the last episode that I was going to do some research into the pay scale of all the different actors. I haven't had the time to sit down and really dive into that research, so I still owe you guys that research. But I have a feeling a lot of that budget, of course, makes up these pay scales. Um, but I also began to wonder, these movies were shot back-to-back. Did they share a budget, or did they have their own complete separate budgets? I would think they'd have their own complete separate budgets. I, that, I guess that would make sense. I guess. So I actually read too that uh, while they were filming Endgame, they were actually filming um, Ant Man and the Wasp at the exact same time too. So Paul Rudd and Angelina, eventually Lily had to go back and forth. I guess that was a little harder for Paul Rudd considering he's a central character in Endgame right. versus yeah, Lily, just, yeah. yeah. But no, I, that's fascinating, and I like that because I, you know it helps create that little bit of continuity too. Because Ant Man and the Wasp fills in some of those blanks. Um, right. So, hey, that's cool. On opening weekend, this movie did $357.1 million. So it outperformed its estimated budget by almost a million dollars. Uh, unlike our last movie, Infinity War, which had that uh, ridiculous three hundred and fifty something thousand or thousand million dollar budget, but it only performed in the two hundred um, two hundred and fifty uh, million uh, for opening weekend. So this outperformed its own budget in opening weekend. And of course, for a studio, you're sitting there already popping that champagne. I mean, you know this is going to be a hit. This ended up being the biggest hit of all time. It grossed worldwide and this is still a number that is growing guys so as of right now 2.8 billion 
dollars. Crazy. Two point eight billion dollars, making it the highest grossing film of all time. Dethroning so, Avatar. For a brief period of time, yeah. Avatar gained it back. James Cameron's like, nah, sit down. We're gonna do this. And he took back the title, but and uh Disney and uh all of them are like, no, we earned it, we're gonna take it back, and they pushed forward and they have now reclaimed the title. So highest grossing movie of all time with two point eight billion thoughts on this. Robert Downey Jr. made $75 million on Endgame. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. That's had a, he had an 8% back-end uh, deal. So, You know what? That's... His, uh, uh, okay. Uh, Never mind. Uh, I thought that yeah, was like his upfront yeah. salary. An 8% back-end deal? That's phenomenal. Yeah. Which translated to $55 million. That's... So the, the bulk of it was the, that back-end deal. That's awesome. You know, good for him. Good for his agent, whoever negotiated that. So it says right here, I'm looking in. Uh, this is this was came out in June 10th, uh, 2019. Uh, Marvel Money, how six Avengers made $340 million last year. So it says number one. And this isn't like for this specific movie, just I guess Cum- in general. Cumulative. Okay. Um, Cumulative. Yeah, so Chris Hemsworth, 76.4. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. sixty-six million, Bradley Cooper fifty-seven million, Scarlett Johansson fifty-six million, Chris Evans forty-three million, and Paul Rudd forty-one million. Wow! In one year. Wow. Honestly, and honestly, I, surprised I, to hear two that's... names on that list: Bradley Cooper and Paul Rudd. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think it's it's not just these movies; it's whatever they made in that year. From other movies. Oh, well. okay. Yeah, it had it was a big year for those stars. Okay, that that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I mean, Paul Rudd riding the high of these movies and stuff like. Uh, Paul Rudd's a hot thing right now, so that makes sense. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, uh, his Netflix deals and things like that. That makes a lot of sense. Bradley Cooper, you got to take into account that you know he's also a director and filmmaker too. So okay, all right, all those are starting to make sense now. So even uh, Bradley Cooper had a uh, 1% back-end deal on Endgame, which translated to about $7 million. You know what? Quite honestly, I think that's the way to do- go, especially when you know you're going to be in a tentpole movie like this. Is like, take a small base salary, but that back-end, that's where your money's going to be. You know, just like, you know that's this movie. That's what movie's- Tom Hanks did on Forrest Gump. It, it, made a crap load of money. That, and that's a smart deal because it really is because that allows more movie to, or, you know, more movie, more money to go into the budget for production and stuff like that. And you're just like, you know, this is going to be a hit. You know, this is going to be a hit. So like, you know what? Even 1%, 1% of that, er, of that earning, that's a lot of money. What did you say that was? Was uh, 55? 7000000 million. Seven, or no, uh, the, the 8% for... Uh, 8% for 755. Okay. Uh, was 55 million yeah so yeah 1% you know what I'll take 1% on the back end 7 million I'm not going to balk at that that's a great deal yeah you know it reminds me of the rumor uh, that was circulating around um, Blair Witch Project have you ever heard this one where the kids making the Blair Witch Project um, they offered one of the you know the old lady do you remember this movie Mm -hmm. okay they offered the old lady I remember the first time I ever saw it oh nice I was, uh, it was after a football game my senior year in high school. Um, I remember because my arm was throbbing in pain, and we watched that movie afterwards. Nice. 
It's a it's a good movie. It is. Um, they offered the woman like, well, we can pay you up front now. This is what we got. You know, this amount of money or we will give you a percentage of the gross. And she's just like, oh, yeah, pay me up front. You know, this is a student film. Nothing's going to happen with this. And this movie went on to make millions, millions of dollars. In fact, it's uh, it is considered one of the most successful movies financially based off of its very small budget and what it got in return. So it makes you wonder, you know, I, again, I don't know if there's a whole lot of substantiality to that story. I remember reading it somewhere, but it just, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, you're always taking a gamble when you say, I will take money off the back. I mean, not, it's not so much a gamble with a movie like Endgame, but with a movie like that, there's always going to be a gamble. It can flop or it can be a success. And are you willing to take that risk? Everybody would have taken the money up front for that movie, though. I, I agree, because it, it's three students coming up to you and being like, hey, you want to be in our film? This is this is what we got. What are you going to do? Yeah. So, Robert Downey Jr. made $75 million on Endgame. Do you know how much he made for the first Iron Man movie? Uh, $5 million. 500000 Wow, really? He went from 500000 to 75 million. I guess. All right. I guess that kind of makes a lot of sense because at the time, he's that was a risky venture. Putting yeah. Robert Downey Jr. as the main character in your big superhero film, they probably uh, that that makes a lot of sense. And they're like, oh, he's actually good at this. Let's throw more money at him to make sure he stays. Yeah, they hit the jackpot with that one. They did. Ah, I love Iron Man so much. That is the one movie I look Holy forward crap. to rewatching all the time. It's just the original Iron Man. Vin Diesel has paid $54 million for Groot. That, I, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. That's, that is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I get it. He recorded, he recorded like thousands of different ways to say I am Groot. And I also read that he recorded some of the uh, foreign language uh, dialogue as well for like the different releases throughout the different uh, countries oh, yeah. and stuff like that. So he would he recorded some of it mm. in different languages and but that that's not worth that amount of money in my opinion. You're no. you're literally sitting there saying I am Groot, I am Groot, and your voice is going through a bunch of uh, filters and everything too. Do you think he was actually sitting there going I am Groot, I am Groot? No, he was probably like I, I can't do a Vin Diesel voice. I am Groot. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I am Groot. I am Groot. Or I'm gonna, Chris, I'm Chris Hemsworth for the first Thor movie made 150,000. That makes sense. You know, he wasn't a big name yet. Let's see. Forbes reported Chris Evans to make between 15 and 20 million for Endgame. Chris Evans? Yeah. You know, as big of a star as Chris Evans is, I always appreciate the fact that he seems so grounded in reality. Like, he never pushes his stardom on anybody. Yeah. And he, he's, oh, he yeah. is a fantastic actor, too. If, you, if I'm not looking at his roles as Captain America or anything like that, I love it when he pops up in a film, uh, Knives Out. He is hilarious in that movie. Oh, he was really good. I like that movie a lot. It's such a phenomenal movie, and I have a feeling that Netflix is going to ruin it with the next two sequels. I hope not. I hope not either. Two sequels? Yeah, there's two I'll of them. One. Yeah, really? Nine's Out 2 and 3. Oh. Mm. Um, I liked him in Snowpiercer. 
that was a great movie. So who's the richest celebrity? The richest celebrity in what, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe or just all just, time? Just, no, just in general. The richest... I've got a number one here. The richest celebrity. Hmm. This person is worth $10 billion. $10 billion. I'm going to say... And it's not per se an actor, just a celebrity in general. Ten billion dollars? Uh Beyonce. George Lucas. Damn it. <laughs> you know what's funny? I had three names go through my head immediately, even before I said Beyonce. I had George Clooney go through my head, I had George Lucas go through my head, and I had Tom Hanks go through my head. <laughs> and I was like, no, nah, I can't be George Lucas. Scarlett Johansson made fifteen million for Endgame. Good for her. Hey, we'll pay you $15 million to die. <laughs> oh, you spoiled it. If you haven't seen the movie yet, guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, she's not dead. She has her own movie coming out in two months. Brie Larson made $5 million, but she really wasn't in the movie all that much. No, she wasn't. And, you know, she's still new to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is, what, only her third appear or second appearance? Second appearance uh, in the yes, MCU. Second, yeah. So she had her solo movie, and then she appeared in this. So, you know, it's like she needs to be on the lower end of that totem pole. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, you'll be really interesting to see. What did Michael Douglas make just to appear in this movie for two seconds? No, yeah. I mean, at the end there, you had a Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer both in there for, yeah, two seconds. And I guarantee um, you he raked in a nice payday for it. No, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, same thing with Samuel L. Jackson. He had like two seconds at the end of this film. They, but you know, that's probably he's probably got like uh, a multi-picture deal. So he, you know, he negotiated sure, what he yeah. was going to make just to even wa walk on and walk off this movie. You know, Tom Holland made five hundred thousand for the first Spider-Man movie. They need to throw more money at him. He's the, well, that's the first Spider-Man movie. I'm sure he made a whole lot more than the second oh, I'm sure he did, but they just need to continue to throw more money at him. I like Tom Holland's Spider-Man. So Me too. I he do. needs to stick around for a while. With Endgame, he was the... Uh, he racked up the most appearances as Spider-Man in a live action. Beating out uh, Tobey Maguire. You're absolutely right. That would have been his fourth appearance. Wait, no, fifth. Because he had Civil War... One, uh, two, he had Homecoming, three, four, Infinity Wars, five. and then Endgame. Well, five now, but when Endgame came out, it was that's what broke the record. Oh yeah, because that was four, and then he got a second Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Okay, so five altogether. So yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. Good for him, and in a short amount of time too. I mean, look at that. Oh yeah, definitely. that happened within a span years. of what three years? Yeah, three, five years, something like that. Yeah. When did the fur? When did the first Spider-Man movie come out? Twenty seventeen. Was it? I think Could so. Been, I guess. I think so. July of 2017. Hmm. So yeah, sounds about right. Because that was that was my birthday movie. Crazy. I wanted to go see it. Nice. Um. So yeah, I mean, so the star power in this movie, the money of this movie. You know, we talk about what the what these actors are making. I mean, like. 
Look at what these directors probably raked in as well. I mean, Joe and Anthony Rousseau, I mean, they just helped. Okay, I, I wondered this. Do you have to pay them separate, or do you pay them as they, one they, director? I'm sure, I, I can't speak for this, I don't know, but I would imagine they negotiated something together, and they probably just split it, because they do everything together. They, that's what I would, yeah, that's what they I would produce too, together. They direct like, together. They their their company is run by both of them. So I mean, you yeah, they probably negotiated one salary that they they share. I would imagine. I would think so too because I mean, uh, movie runner or could go. Hey, why why should I pay both of y'all when I could get a director for cheaper? You know, yeah. one director instead of paying two. So I would think they would. Just take whatever and split it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that makes sense to me. But again, what do I know? I'm just just a lowly little <laughs> moviegoer, you know. Uh, just yeah, the, the amount of money flowing through this movie and everything like that. It's just it's absolutely phenomenal. And the fact that it's still earning money. Avatar and Endgame are going to be in this like war for who's the best or who's the highest grossing movie for a while now. I I could see Avatar taking the lead again. I already imagine James Cameron is sitting there is like, what can I do to get Avatar back on top? What can I do to get Avatar back on top? I got a suggestion, James Cameron. Forget Avatar 2 and 3. And I, I don't know. I don't know. Is it going to be like five of them or something? Yeah. Yeah. He's lost. I'm already tired of Avatar and we haven't even gotten the second one yet. I know. And you know, I loved the first one so much that I just I didn't need a sequel. Why do we need a sequel? We don't. There's some movies that I you just know. need to leave alone. But that, that's a talk for another time. Uh so last time on last episode, I had talked about a little bit about uh how this movie performed on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's got a 94% certified fresh critic rating and it's got a 90% audience score. So this is a very well-received movie, despite its flaws. And that's the thing. Everybody will sit there and they will look at the flaws of this movie, the flaws of the storyline and everything like that. And it's all forgivable because you just, you love this movie. You you want to love this movie. This is what it all came down to. This is what the 22 movies before it was all leading towards. Yeah. So, I mean, you would have, you as a filmmaker would have had to done a lot to get people to really hate this movie. So you can forgive some plot holes. You can forgive some timeline paradoxes. You just an absolutely wonderful film and everybody thinks so. So I'm going through the five pages of critic reviews. And on page one, there are only two splats and yeah, there's not many at all. No, not many. And I just, it's, absolutely phenomenal to see all these people come together i guess we're, they're all in the same mindset it's like the mindset of lord of the rings return of the king where it, it's the sell-off it's the or not the sell-off the payoff it's the the payoff it's yeah. the big payoff you're going to love this movie no matter what and i i love that so i'm just going to read a few of them i don't want to spend too much time here Richard Roper was the one that caught my eye the most. And I know we always talk about him, but it's what he wrote that really caught my eye. He says, and I quote, The Motion Picture Academy never recognizes great acting if it comes attached to a costume or a cape. That doesn't mean Downey isn't deserving of an Oscar. 
it's great acting in a great film. And he gave it four out of four. Good for him. I, that blows me away. So let's talk about that for a moment. There was a lot of rumors going around that Disney was going to push Downey for an Oscar bid. He obviously didn't get it, but is he deserving of an Oscar for this role? I honestly never thought about it before. Um, yeah, why not? You know? I mean, they've been, well, recently they've given... They had never given an Oscar to somebody from a superhero movie, and they've done it twice in the past ten years with for the same two different people playing the yeah. same character. Yeah, which is crazy. So yeah, why not? He, Robert Downey Jr. has been consistently one of the greatest things about the MCU, but he definitely took this character. He's the this, glue to the MCU. He is the glue to the MCU. I mean, he started it. It, it was very fitting. He started it. He ended it. Well, it ended this storyline, you know. Right. The saga. The saga. The Infinity Saga. He took this character to new heights in this movie. Like, I, I over the last 10 years, I have stopped seeing Robert Downey Jr. And I see Tony Stark. The two are almost inseparable in my mind. Right. The only reason I am grounded back in reality is when he does another movie that isn't related to the MCU, like uh, Sherlock Holmes or something like that. But even still, you have a hard time watching him and not wanting to see Tony Stark now. He is Tony Stark, and he showed us what 10 years and 23 films worth of storyline can do to a character. And I, I truly believe he may not have won. He may not have won. In fact, I was honestly surprised at who won Best Actor at the Oscars this year, but I keep my opinions about the Oscars to myself now. Honestly, I haven't even looked at it. Anthony Hopkins. I really don't care anymore. Anthony Hopkins won. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know if he would have won, but I think, he deserved, I, I think he deserved the chance. I think he did. I mean, he's been nominated for... <laughs> he was nominated for playing... <laughs> A black guy in Tropic Thunder. I mean, <laughs> and that wasn't even his greatest dude. acting. Playing a dude. Playing another dude. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? <laughs> oh, my God. I love that movie. Um, so I love Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. I like the character of Tony Stark. Yeah. I felt that in Infinity Wars, he was too dickish, though. If you know what I mean. He was just, he had that ego, which uh, that's part of Tony Stark. I get that. But he had that ego in Infinity Wars that's almost makes you not like him in a way. Like when they're on the ship and um, they save Doctor Strange and he's like, oh, well, you're welcome. You know, you wouldn't be here without us. And he, even Doctor Strange says, I don't know how you fit that ego in that helmet of yours. And it, it, he, he just seemed that way through that whole movie. He... That you started to see kind of that turn, you know, he has progressed a lot as a character from the very first one, um, all the way to this one, but you started to see that turn back to that kind of like dickish side in Civil War, and then, um, yeah, and he, he and he kind of stuck to it, but uh, you needed him to be a dick in Infinity War because that shaped who he became in Endgame. I mean, when he started losing everything around him for the to the prospect of never seeing Pepper again, uh, to 
he just lost a kid whom, whether he wanted to admit it or not, he loved like a son. You know, this kid turned to dust in front of his very eyes. And now he needed to be a dick and he needed to be regrounded in reality in order for him to achieve what he could achieve in Endgame, not just from an acting standpoint, but for the story standpoint as well. He needed that loss and he needed to kind of be humbled a bit. Otherwise, he would never have been able to sit there and do what he needed to do to... um, to uh, fix the problems with time travel or anything like that, you know, it, it, that because you can see that transformation because he comes into Endgame still being that same dick when he came down mm-hmm. uh, from space and he was yelling at Cap like, "Where were you?" Well, he has no idea that they fought him too. You know, they were just in different places at the time. Yeah, he's like, "I needed you. I needed you." That trumps what you need now, you know. And of course, Cap had no idea where Tony was. Uh, they fought their butts off against all these other creatures, and Tony just went after Thanos, you know? So, And, that, and that's a major part of that storyline right there. I mean, they all thought they were right. doing their own thing and didn't know where everybody else was, and when they all come to the realization that, you know, they were divided trying to fight one person, they, they can't be divided, and that's where the team aspect comes back in, and this is finally when we get the Avengers that we got from like the first movie, you know, they had to work together to achieve the goal. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. I'm good. And you know, <laughs> the other thing that grounded Tony as well, you know, so yeah, at the beginning of this movie, he was still a dick. He was going off against Cap and everything like that. But you know, he's hurt. He's hurt. He hasn't had really the time to process his feelings or emotions the same way that the rest of them back on Earth have. You know, it's... um they they at least the survivors on earth had each other he had why am i blanking on her name all the of a blue sudden the blue meanie the blue meanie is what he called her <laughs> nebula nebula thank you i i kept wanting to say gamora i was like no no that was her sister uh you know all he had was nebula that's not much of an emotional support so you know he's right. just stuck in his head that entire time so you know now's his chance to finally vent and get everything that's been going through his head all this time out and then as time progresses, you know, it's that five years and things like that. He's got a daughter now. He, you know, he and Pepper have a family. They've retired to a quiet life in the woods. He's become humbled. And like, I'm at that scene right now where they go to him at the cabin and they're they're trying to ask him to join them on this time traveling adventure and stuff like that. He's still slightly a dick here, but I think that's more of a defense mechanism than anything. Because right. he doesn't want to get dragged back in. And then once he gets dragged back in, he, he's there. He's invested fully. And he's the Tony Stark he always needed to be. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, I'm just gonna <laughs> I just want to read one more, um, one more review real quick. And this one's, the sp- uh, this one's a splat. And I just wanted to talk about it. Um, Real quick. So, uh, I gotta find it again. There it is. Anthony Lane from The New Yorker. He says, You can easily duck out during the middle hour, do some shopping, slip back into your seat for the climax, and you won't have missed a thing. Not true. Not true at all. This movie is rich with all sorts of storylines. It's just because they don't want to see the storylines. They just want want to get to the climax, which is Right. Fine, I guess, because the climax is 
the best one of the best things about this movie but this movie has so much rich backstory and everything like that especially when you're doing the time traveling and everything it's full of nostalgia it's full of uh all these little rich pieces that come together that make that climax even better and it also sets up a lot of other different things as well you know uh, it's uh that middle part that you think you can walk away from uh it sets up the loki show that we're about to get um, there's nothing funnier than Captain America fighting Captain America. It, it, there's just a lot of great little things that you don't want to miss out on. A uh, young Michael Douglas. It looked bad, but young Michael Douglas. Um, the <laughs> the conversation for the most part they had done a pretty good job of de aging people in the MCU, but yeah, that one did look. Bad. Yeah, that one that one almost looked rushed, like that was an afterthought, almost. Yeah. Uh, the wonderful exchange between Tony and his father. You know, there's just yeah, a lot great. of rich things that you do not want to miss. So sure, duck out, go do some shopping and slip back in. You're going to miss a crap ton. You are, whether you want to believe it or not. So I, I disagree with you, Anthony Lane. You do not want to skip out on this movie. And I got one here that says, the only complaint about Avengers Endgame that it raises the bar so high that there may never be another superhero movie to match it. And that's, Which is, it wasn't as flat. That was, that was, a, that was a, a good comment. No, no, no. And I, I like that comment. And I, I've thought about that too, just on my own here. This movie, this movie is the superhero movie that outdoes any superhero movie that comes before it or came before it. And let's just be honest. Nothing's ever going to touch it, ever, ever. I truly believe nothing will ever touch this movie from the superhero genre. And that's at, that's to the detriment of Marvel. Marvel set that bar so high that when they achieved this, I don't think they're ever going to achieve it again. So any movie oh, that comes not. after this is technically, while it still may be a good movie, will fail in comparison to Avengers Endgame. Not fail, pale. I, I used the wrong. I used the wrong consonant there. <laughs> Pale in comparison to Endgame. Yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> uh, so, how has this movie impacted your life or influenced your love of other movies? Is the answer the same as with Infinity War? Yeah. Or is this one uh, touch you differently? About that too. I think it's the same as Infinity Wars because this is what you've been waiting for. This is the culmination of everything that's come before 22 movies preceding this movie. Mm -hmm. This is what you've spent all that time watching it for. And you're finally here at the quote-unquote endgame. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's like nothing that's ever been out in Hollywood before. Like nothing we've ever seen. And it, it was, it, it's enjoyable. Granted, this movie is not in my top five Marvel movies. Same. But it's still worth it. It's still what we were waiting for. This is this is the culmination of, of 22 movies. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. And I'm going to have to sit there and just mimic your answer here. That's, it's the same reason you love Infinity War. In fact, you know, I really wish these two movies can just be merged into one and it's just because even though they are two separate movies with two separate tones and two separate um uh 
um, almost speeds in a way. Uh, I talked about it during the last episode. There are parts of Infinity War that kind of just slow down, pump those brakes a little bit, and kind of chug forward at a slower pace. Um, but you need that, though. You need that. Whereas this movie is just charge, go, go, go the whole time. But you're you're ramping up. That's the ramp up for any battle. It's just you got to go, 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 go until you get to that battle. Um, but these movies really should be one film of six hours of absolute glory because they that's what they are. It's just we we had to experience them a year apart. That's it. And that yeah. that was smart on their part too. You know, I I applaud Marvel for that too because you ha- you built that anticipation. You gave us Infinity War. You left us with our hearts sunk in a depressed state. Like, what is happening in the world? And then you made us wait a year for the answers. And they also had to introduce uh, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel in the middle of that too. Yeah. So yeah. But these movies were actually like filmed back to back when they finished Infinity Wars. I think they had like a two week break and then they started Endgame. And it's it was perfect. It really was, it, in so many ways. So yeah, that's that's our answer to that question. It, it's the same thing as what we said with Infinity War. It the two are almost inseparable. Almost. Uh, yeah, I agree. Let's talk about the cast that ended up being in this movie that we didn't get to experience in the last movie. So we had talked about some noticeable absences in the last movie. Uh, so uh, Jeremy Renner is back playing Clinton Bar- Clint Barton Hawkeye. And wow, what a way to start a movie. Just hitting Jeez, us right in the gut again. Yeah. <laughs> He's there with his family, showing his daughter how to shoot the bow and arrow. And then all of a sudden, boom, gone. And, and you have no idea what happens. You know, if you're not right there fighting Thanos and see him snap his finger... You don't know what's going on. These people are just disappearing. You have no idea why. Yeah, and he's just, he's so confused, and you just feel so bad for him. He literally, he lost his entire family. What are the chances? His entire family, wife and three kids, Three kids and a wife, yeah. It's like that, my heart sunk because, you know, I like Linda Cardellini. Why is she gone? Don't take her away. (laughs) Um, And... Also, I feel like he got the rotten out of everybody in this film. They kind of did a bad job with his character because they they really had an opportunity to explain why he was doing what he was doing. Um, you know, going around on the hunt. Why well, was I he Ronan? People understood that. You only you only understand that if you like have an understanding of the comics. If you've never read a comic or no, anything like he, that, he, he, they mentioned it. They don't talk about I mean, it they, enough, they, in they, my they opinion. Did. You have a three hour long movie. <laughs> well, then don't don't, think... don't introduce a side storyline like that without really being ready to expand on it. They, the dialogue that he had between the guy he was fighting pretty much explained it right there. When he was saying how, why are you still alive? when half the people aren't he so he's just basically going around killing bad guys is what he's doing that should have been gone except for the good people you know yeah or instead of the good people and that's what i got out of that and it was just a little brief exchange there of words but i thought it explained why why he was doing what he was doing Mm. okay i still want more (laughs) (laughs) um 
Paul Rudd coming in as Scott Lang, Ant-Man. So uh, he he's a central character in this movie, which I love because Paul Rudd is just, he's fantastic as Ant-Man. Uh, he was one of those things like Robert Downey Jr. He was either going to be successful at this role or he was going to fail this role. And thank God he was successful at this role. I love Ant-Man. Right. Ant-Man is such a phenomenal movie. And I think what makes Ant-Man even better is that it's not just Paul Rudd carrying the movie. You know, Michael Douglas is nice to watch, too. Evangeline Lilly is uh, nice to watch. But they surrounded him with those really great supporting characters. And it's such a shame we didn't get those supporting characters. You know, I, I get it time-wise and stuff like that. Or, you know, you got, again, we got a three-hour movie to get through here. So maybe those supporting characters aren't necessary. But I, I love those supporting characters. Uh, you know, Michael Pena, um, T.I., and I forget the other guy. Uh, they're just funny people. So I think that's also what made Ant-Man work real well. It's just all the humor that you got in a really great supporting cast. Uh, Brie Larson as Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. So her second outing in the MCU after her solo outing uh, in her introductory outing in um, Captain Marvel. which I, I think s- this was what came out like a, a, just a couple months apart from each other, too. Yeah, 2019 was a big MCU uh, year. Captain, We got Captain Marvel, then we got Endgame, and then we got Far Away From Home. So all three movies, yeah. that kind of gave us the the end of Phase 4. Uh, I liked... Ca- there were things about Captain Marvel I liked, and there were things about it I, I didn't like, and I just I still don't know how to feel. I, I guess I need to give it another try. It's good. Um, I don't think it's top 10. But I, I think it's a it's an enjoyable movie. Okay. Well, we'll get there. I'll get there one of these days. Um I'm telling you, twenty three weeks, just one movie a week. <laughs> Not a bad idea. I I'm sure Karen would actually do the rewatch with me too, since she likes See? a lot there of these go. MCU movies. Um let's see. Uh continuing down our list of people who uh were in the fur not in the f- Infinity War, but in this one, we've got Evangeline Lilly, who comes in at the end as Hope Van Dyne or the Wasp. Uh, Tessa Thompson coming back as Valkyrie. So uh, she's uh, she's in New Asgard. Kind yes. of, uh, she's kind of running the show because God forbid Thor run it. He's too busy drinking beer and uh, <laughs> playing, playing, video games. playing video games and becoming Fat Thor, which we will talk about here in a little bit. That's... <sighs> That's awesome. That was brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, that was one of those very well kept secrets, and you're just like, ha ha, that's funny. Well, they had that big movement uh, before Endgame came out. Hashtag, don't spoil Endgame. Yeah. They do that with a lot of you know a lot of these movies and stuff like that now too. You know, uh, when anytime a new Star Wars movie comes out, don't spoil it. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, just, I hate people who spoil stuff like that. They're, they're, people do it just to do it too. I know they're just like, haha, I'm going to ruin somebody's day, guys. You know, there's this time period where you just don't talk about these things until everybody's given that opportunity to see it. After you've hit a certain time, if somebody hasn't seen it yet, well, okay. And see, that was the thing with The Mandalorian, too. I wanted to wait till The Mandalorian was over to watch it all. Yeah. I got... It it premiered. And then the next day on social media, you're seeing Baby Yoda everywhere. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, all right. So this is something that probably happens in The Mandalorian that I just got spoiled. So when it happened, when I'm watching, I just went ahead and watched it. I'm like, oh, look, look, it's Baby Yoda. Instead of being like, holy crap, look, it's Yoda. Yeah. I could have had a way different reaction, but it was spoiled for me. 
Oh, trust me, I had that reaction because I was avoiding spoilers. So when Baby Yoda popped up, I was like, what is going on here? That's that's the reaction that I wanted, <laughs> but I, I didn't get that reaction because it was already spoiled for me. Uh, I'm sorry you didn't get to experience that, but don't worry. Um, the whole Luke Skywalker thing was ruined for me thanks to, thanks to um, um, Mark Hamill because I follow him on Twitter and he ruined oh, it really? for me. And I'm just like, he literally tweeted uh, about it the day that episode premiered, and I'm just like, fucker, why? <laughs> Thank you for ruining what was possibly one of the, aside from Baby Yoda, one of the best reveals of The Mandalorian. Thanks. Thanks. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that. So, yeah, I'm, I don't, so if it makes you feel better, that's now ruined for me. I haven't watched that episode yet, but I'm just like, no, when I get there, I'm going to be like, oh, yay, eh. Have you even watched any of season two yet? No. I'm so oh. far behind on things. Seriously. I work too much. I'm surprised I'm able to do this. Um, <laughs> next one on the list is uh, Renee Russo, uh, who has the, her very small role as I'm the queen. I'm glad brought her back. So am I. I love Renee Russo. She doesn't do Me enough. Too. Especially nowadays. But she was really good as Queen Frigga. Uh, who else do we got here? We have John Slattery reprising his role as Howard Stark. Uh, so he had, uh, done the role a couple times in the Iron Man franchise, as well as Ant-Man he was in, um, as Howard Stark. Uh, you got Tilda. They actually used somebody different in the first, uh, Iron Man movie. Since I was doing my rewatch and I noticed it. In the first Iron Man movie? Mm-hmm. He had a video of Howard Stark, and it wasn't him. Huh. And obviously, they used a younger guy for Howard Stark in Captain America, the first right. Avenger. I forget that guy's name. I don't know. Because he ended up uh, reprising the role also in um, the very short-lived Agent Carter series. But uh, um, I like John Slattery as Howard Stark. I think he he and... I believe he could be. <laughs> I believe he could be Robert Downey Jr.'s father, even though I don't think they're actually that far off in age in real life. But I, I truly believe that he could be the father. Hey, uh, Sean Connery played Harrison Ford's dad, and they're like seven years apart. I know, but it was still believable. Oh, I, yeah. I love that. Um, you've got uh, Tilda Swinton reprising her role as the Ancient One, and she's the one who's going to sit there and explain how the timeline works and why you shouldn't be doing what they were doing, but then she agrees that it's okay to do as long as they travel back and put everything back where they got it. Which also goes against exactly what Bruce said. And you're just like, if they, and I, th I was literally, I was laying in bed last night thinking about this, Robert, if they go and they take these infinity stones and they go and they do what they do, and then they have to go back to the exact spot they took these stones from and replace them, and so not to mess with the timeline, wouldn't they just restore everything they did? Pretty much, yeah. So it's, it's an endless cycle. It's going to happen that way no matter what. I was just like, that's the thing that kept me awake last night, was thinking, no, no matter what they do, they can't stop it from happening. Right. Ugh. Yeah, I thought about that too. Ugh. Yeah, so it's going to keep happening no matter what, but we'll get into the whole time travel thing in a little while. Whew. Um, you got uh, John. <laughs> you got John Favreau uh, reprising his role as Happy Hogan. You got uh, Haley Atwell uh, and her uh, reprising her role as Peggy Carter. Um, 
got Natalie Portman and her very, 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 very brief appearance. Uh, okay, so like I you read see last the side of her she... face, and you mainly just hear her talking. That was uh, a scene that a deleted scene from um, Dark World. So she wasn't actually in the movie. Like they didn't bring her in for the movie. But they got to give her credit because they used her. Well, of course, yeah. I'm just saying that they didn't like she wasn't one of the that she they brought in for the movie. So this brings up a question then: Did she get paid to be in this movie? Oh, or there would be like, not you already got paid to do that part. We just inserted it in this movie instead. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that all works. Uh, there, there's all sorts of rules in the Actors Guild and stuff like that. Um, Marissa Tomei playing Aunt May. Uh, again, we love Marissa Tomei here. Yeah, I just did my cousin Vinny out. Uh, well, by the time you're listening to this, it'll have been out for two weeks. Uh, we love Marissa Tomei. Uh, you got Taika, uh, Taika Waititi voicing the role of Korg, uh, reprising that role from Thor Ragnarok. You got Angela Bassett as uh, Ramon, Ramonda. Michael Douglas as Hank Penn. Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne. Uh, you got uh, William Hurt. You got Colby Smulders. Um, and those two are very brief too. Yeah, I mean these are all basically just appearances, appearances. Um and then in the time travel sequences, then you can bring back uh people like Frank Grillo who played Brock Rumlow. Uh you know, during that whole uh battle scene at uh the Shield headquarters. Oh no, that wasn't at Shield headquarters. That was at uh the Avengers Tower. Never mind. Uh he was there at yeah. Avengers Tower. Uh you got Robert Redford reprising his role as Alexander Pierce. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson's back as Nick Fury. Uh, let's see, who else? Am I missing anybody here? Uh, I honestly didn't write it down, but I think you've got pretty much all of them. I think I got pretty much all of them. And these are, again, just people that weren't in Infinity War who are coming in to round out that cast for Endgame because Endgame literally gives us everybody. Everyone. Basically, if you've been in a Marvel movie at, up to this point and you survived, you were here. Except for uh, Betty Ross, who was never heard from again. Nobody, nobody cares about Betty Ross. I like Betty Ross. <laughs> I, there there was a rumor stuff. she was supposed it is to be. kind of weird. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it is kind of weird. I mean, you had the movie, and she's a big part of Hulk, but she's never heard from again. Yeah, and then we we get uh, we get her dad instead. Yeah. But I don't know. I I, I think it's a very common. Um, it's a common uh, belief that people would just want to take the Incredible Hulk and kind of pluck it out of the timeline and toss yeah, it somewhere else. I know. So, well, I mean, I understand why they did that, but yeah, yeah, Ed Norton kind of screwed things up for everybody. Ed Norton's jerk. Uh, <laughs> so who? All right. So, uh, does your answer for favorite actor actress change for this film as well, or is we also you know sticking with what we said last time? Oh, I think sticking with what we said last time. I mean, uh, what did I say last time? Hell, if I remember, I think I said, I think I said Chris Hemsworth. 
which I would stick with that because he's playing a totally different character this time. Yeah. Oh, man, <laughs> he does a really good job at it. Yeah, Fat Thor. They really... Which I was went to... What? Huh? No, go ahead. I was going to say, a couple years ago, that was my Halloween costume was Fat Thor. I bought a fat suit and a and a beard and long hair. That was your costume. It was funny. Uh, I think they should have credited him as Fat Thor in this film. You know, Chris Hemsworth as <laughs> Fat Thor. Um, That's funny. Uh... I'm going to stick with what I said last time, too. Uh, I said uh, Robert Downey Jr., Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, and Zoe Saldana. Uh, They're just some of my favorite performances throughout the MCU as a whole. But to me, they also have some of the most emotional sequences um, in both of these films, actually. You know, you in this one, RDJ is the sacrifice, and you just you, you cry. Tom Holland, when he reappears at that end at the bat, uh, as Peter Parker uh, for the final battle, I cried because I'm just like, oh, yay, Spider-Man's back. Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana. It, it's great to see Zoe Saldana again because you were actually worried that you would never see her on screen again. Right. And they found, thanks to the timeline, or thanks to all the time traveling, they found a way to bring her back. Which that presents another paradox, but let's. Yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. That's on my my list of things to discuss. So, um, yeah, my my thing really hasn't changed a whole lot here. So uh, I'm just anxious to get into the discussion here at this point. Let's talk about. This movie. Do you want to go ahead and dive into the timeline discussion? Because I know that's going to be the bulk of what we need to talk about today. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, for a time travel movie, I think they do a pretty decent job here. But with like any time travel movie, you're going to have these plot holes. You're going to have these instances where it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, and you know, and I said it in the last episode too. Back to the Future Two, I feel like did the best job explaining how time travel, in theory, should work without creating too many paradoxes. But <sighs> here we are in Endgame, and the idea is that they need to time travel to fix what they weren't able to accomplish. Let's talk about that. Where did they go wrong in this idea? So in Back to the Future, he went back and he changed the original Back to the Future movie. He changed a couple things from the past. Basically, uh, his dad punching out Biff, which completely changed his future that he went back to, correct? Yeah. So in Back to the Future 2, they introduced timelines. Mm-hmm. And saying basically saying that changing something in the past could put you on a separate timeline path. Yeah. So I think that's where Endgame was trying to go, correct? I think so, yes. I... But it doesn't make sense because... Because what Banner's exact words were, I wrote those down, hold on. You can't go to the past and change the future. Because that future, that past becomes your present? Mm-hmm. Crap, I wish I had it written down. I thought I did. And which now cannot be changed by your former, hold on. 
I can find this. Hold on. <laughs> okay, found it. Okay. If you travel back into your own past, that destination becomes your future, and your former present becomes the past, which cannot, which can't be changed by your new future. So basically, they're saying you can't change something in the past to fix your future. That now becomes a new timeline. But when he's up with the priestess, which I'm actually at that scene right now, crazy. Um, or the well, it's not the priestess, the temptress, or whatever his name, her name is. What's her name? Um, the ancient one. There you go. I don't know how it's called. The temptress. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> yes, the ancient one. Um, so he's taking the to- the the stone from her, and then she says, "You're gonna end up creating a new timeline." And he goes, yes, but if we bring the stone back to the point it was taken, it would be like it was never taken in the first place. Which is basically saying you're going, you're, you're taking it now, then you're coming back and you're putting it back exactly when you took it. Changing the past, which is going to change your future. So basically he just did exactly what he said he, you couldn't do. Am I correct on that? Yes. Because he's fixing the timeline is what he's doing, which he said you couldn't do. Yeah, because that, that whole conversation between the Ancient One and Bruce Banner. So she says, the Infinity Stones create what you experience as the flow of time. Remove one stone and that flow splits. Now, this may benefit your reality, but my new one, not so much. <laughs> In this new branch reality, without our chief weapon against the forces of darkness, our world will be run over. Millions will suffer. So tell me, Doctor, can your science prevent all of that? And he says, no, but we can erase it. We can erase it, which is exactly what he said you, he, you couldn't do. Exactly. Because that's changing the past. Yeah, because he says, once we are done with the stones, we can return each one to its own timeline at the moment it was taken. So chronologically, in that reality, they never left but also how do you navigate timelines i guess navigating times one thing but navigating timelines and that's where tony comes in basically he has those devices that act like gps's uh to go through the quantum realm to deliver them to a particular time and place but the problem is that would be navigating a timeline the the other problem with that is they're all going to separate times and places in what you are in assuming is the same timeline. But if let's say, right. So let's say um, at this point, Natasha and uh, Clint get there and they're going for that stone. They get that stone. Uh, that's actually a bad example. Let's uh, let's use another example here. So let's uh, go to um, Tony Stark getting that stone, right? And they're in their part of the heist. As soon as they take that stone, the timeline changes, right? Mm-hmm. Does that affect the other travelers while they're traveling through time? Oh, I don't know. Or are they protected by the um, complexities of the quantum realm to where as soon as Tony, back in the 40s, takes that stone to bring back, it doesn't affect 
the other people, no matter where they are in the timeline or anything else like that. It's so freaking confusing. Yeah. So here they are. I'm at the point of the movie where they go back to 2012, you know, so now we're getting the flashback to the Avengers uh, and they're in that uh, battle scene right there. Love it. Um, And that's their first time to take away to try to grab the Tesseract. Right. And to get that stone. This is a failure because they end up losing it and Loki ends up taking it. Does that not affect the timeline? Completely. Yes, it's going to come. And apparently they're supposed to address that in the Loki series. Okay. Because, yeah, because that never happened. So this is a whole new thing. So the events of Dark World change. Yeah. The events of Ragnarok change. Any events events after Avengers changes. Right. So. But technically it's a timeline. So. I hate the whole timeline. I hate the whole timeline thing, too, because then they decide they're going to go back even further in time to go get the Tesseract. So if they take the Tesseract from that point, then the events of Avengers 2012 never happen and so on and so forth. They they, right. Yes. But they also return it to the exact same time that it was taken. (laughs) Therefore, recreating everything. I don't I don't I get it. This is so confusing. It's one endless loop. So so basically it's gonna be one endless loop after they return the stones. It's always gonna happen this way. It is the way. So basically they didn't change anything from the past. So why not just live with the new reality then? Destroy what Yeah, or destroy one of the stones. You know? All you gotta do is destroy one stone and that that never happens. Yeah, but if they destroy one zone, then nothing ever happens. The Avengers never happens. Anything never happens. So there, you're either you're either recreating strong. a reality or you have to accept the one that you're in. Yeah. And at this point, with the with the way that my brain is wrapping around all of this, them returning the time stones to or the time stones, all the infinity stones to whatever point in time they took them from means that all they're doing is they're just resetting things to happen the way that they already have happened. So at this point, you either, like you said, you either need to just destroy the stone and create an entirely different reality and a reality where they probably never all came together in the first place, or you just need to accept the reality that you're in because there's just no way to change it. And it's like you said, Bruce Banner said it in the very beginning, you can't change that. You just can't. And if anybody, if anybody has thoughts on this, I please invite you to reach out to me and share your thoughts on this. Because seriously, this is, this is so crazy in my mind. And, you know, Scott says, you know, time works differently in the quantum realm. I can't stop thinking about what if we could control the chaos and we could navigate it. What if there was a way that we could enter the quantum realm at a certain point in time, but then exit the quantum realm at another point in time, like before Thanos? And that's where this whole idea starts building to uh, their whole time travel and stuff like that. But even if you even if you arrive at another time before Thanos to try to prevent Thanos, all you're doing is altering a reality. You're not changing anything, really. I like when Rhodey... Uh... Says, well, why don't we just go to baby Thanos? And then he starts doing the motion of choking him out. (laughs) Or, you know, I love the fan theory idea where Ant-Man, you know, shrinks down and goes inside Thanos and, like, 
explodes Thanos from the inside. Have you ever heard that one? Nice. Uh -uh. Oh my god, I'll have to send you some links. It's really hilarious. They talk about Ant-Man going in like through Thanos's nose or some even people said his butt, but those people are being <laughs> weird. Uh, and then like, yeah, I think it really go through his nose. Yeah, go like get really inside him and then all of a sudden expand like to big Ant-Man and basically exploding Thanos. Nice. I thought that would have actually been kind of a cool ending. They should have shot that as like a like <laughs> a fun little uh, a deleted scene. You know, yeah. you, you know, kind of like at the end of movie, uh, the end of the movie Clue, where it's just like, this is how it happened, but this is how it, it also could have. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. so. Here's here's another way it could have ended, <laughs> but it just <sighs> or how it should have ended. Yeah, how it should have ended. Yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> show. But um, they actually have a show dedicated to that stuff. The the time the timeline thing is it, it the whole idea is flawed, it it is and I just I'm having such a hard time wrapping my head about it. But like we said at the beginning of the uh, the beginning of the end of the movie, the beginning of the episode, you're willing to forgive. So it if you for its flaws, yes, you are willing to forgive it because of everything else that happens in the movie and the payoff of the movie. Yes, you're willing to forgive it. So a couple things with this timeline or this time heist or whatever they're doing. You take every stone and you put them back to where you got them, correct? Yes. That That's the whole idea so or else it doesn't stone, work. Right. If you put the soul stone back when you got it, do you get Nat back? Soul for soul. I think the soul stone actually acts a little differently here. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking about this um, on the spot. The soul stone acts a little differently here because of what it takes to get the soul stone. You have to make that sacrifice to obtain it. You're not actually disrupting any timeline by going to get the soul stone. You're just no, you're disrupting that, a but... life. That that's basically it. So when Nat, well, actually, you are disrupting a timeline. How are you disrupting a timeline? Because. Um... It's not there for Thanos to get. Because they went back in time to get it. They went to Morag first, which was happened in 2014. And then from there, they went to Vormir to get the Soul Stone. Which means Thanos is not there when Thanos goes to get it. So you are disrupting the timeline. Okay, alright. Because they, they took the stone back to 2023. And so in in 2018, when Thanos goes to get it with Gamora, it's not there. Fair enough. But I still think that the nature of how you obtain the Soul Stone doesn't change. So, like, if they go back to hand right. the Soul Stone back, you're, the Red Skull is not going to be like, oh, okay, well, here's your soul back. Here's the soul that sacrificed back. I right. don't think it works I that know, way. But still. And I kind of want to... I want a movie of... Cap going back and turning, returning everything to its rightful place. Because I want to see the conversation when he gets to Boromir and sees Red Skull there. Like, oh, hey, guy. <laughs> you know? That's a very interesting point. And I agree. That would be a <coughs> lot of fun to watch. There's just so many different elements there that they could uh, just create. like a, Even like a little mini... Like, give us, like, a little 45-minute episode on Disney Plus or something. You know, Chris Evans reprising his role as Captain America going... Going back and returning the stones, having that conversation with the Red School and stuff like that. But then I want to know how he can disrupt the timeline 
and marry Peggy Carter and have a life with her and grow old. Did you watch what I sent you yesterday? No, I haven't had a chance. Uh, you sent it to me while oh, I was at work. And I, didn't get, that, I didn't get a chance to watch it. That's exactly what it talks about. Oh, well, then shit. That whole thing. I'm going to hold off on my <laughs> thoughts then until I watch this. Well, it's basically, I mean, does Captain America just sit idly by while everything happens in the world that he knows about? Does nobody even know he's back? Can he, he exist? Hang out in his house for seventy years. Can he exist? So can he exist at the same time as his younger self exists? So basically, but Peggy Carter still got to go do what she needs to do and everything like that. So exactly, does she just go about her life pretending that her other Captain America doesn't exist? You know, it, and and if technically oh God, he did this, he created a new timeline. Yes, which he would have to somehow navigate that timeline again. To go back to his original timeline to give Sam the shield. Oh my god, my brain hurts. It's the Back <laughs> to the Future episode all that, over again. I'm just like, and, ah. and it mentions that uh, in that video. He goes, yeah, uh, he had to navigate the original time to go back to his original timeline to give the shield to the wrong person. I mean, to Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Which they also said Bucky should have gotten that shield. I think Bucky should have gotten that Bucky shield. Bucky should have gotten it hands down. That's, how, that's the whole point of... Captain America was a super soldier. And Sam's just a dude with wings. I mean, granted, I haven't seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier yet. and It was good. Uh, you know, I enjoyed it. I'm um, sure he does a great job taking up the mantle. But I, I'm sorry, Bucky. Bucky was destined for that. I was upset Bucky didn't get it after Civil War. They they should have killed off Captain America then, and Bucky should have taken up the mantle. I don't think so. Of no, Captain they America. should have killed him off after Civil War because you needed Captain America in Endgame. No, you, the only reason you, you needed, needed Captain in, America in Endgame is because that's War. what they decided to. That's how they decided to take the story. No, I feel like you needed him in Endgame. No, no, I understand that's what you're what you're saying. I know I understand what you're saying, but it would not be the same without him. It wouldn't have been the same without him, needed, but I mean that's kind that's kind of the idea. You, you needed him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you needed all your original Avengers in Endgame. Now, after Endgame, yes, give the shield to Bucky and get a new Captain America. But I've already seen Falcon and Winter Soldier, so I know what takes place there. So we don't have to discuss that, but. <laughs> Yeah, I need to. Uh, I need to get to that as well. It's, uh, so much stuff to watch. So little time. Oh, Hulk smash elevator. Take the stairs. <laughs> hate the stairs. Oh, I hate the stairs. <laughs> so many stairs. Um. Ah, this is a cat. Uh, getting to one of my favorite scenes: Captain America fighting Captain America. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, I could do this all day. I know. I know. <laughs> Uh, so it just this timeline, this time time tra time travel thing. It's just it's it's very confusing, and it just goes to show that you can the more you try to think about it, the more it actually can ruin a movie for you. So the less you think about it, the more enjoyable the movie right. experience so, is. Okay, so Thanos and Gamora from 2012 go to 2023 to fight the Avengers. Yeah. They kill Thanos in 2012 or 2023, which was his 2012. So technically, wouldn't that negate everything that happened? 
because 2012 Thanos no longer exists because he was killed in 2023. Also, 2012 Gamora does not go back to 2012. She stays in 2023. So technically, she never even she never goes with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Right? Yeah, so wouldn't that also, wouldn't that erase every memory? <laughs> so th- that just proves that every time you exactly. do a time travel thing, all you're doing is creating a new timeline. Because if you weren't creating new timelines, every time somebody time traveled, so like when 2012 Gamora ended up in 2023, guess what? Then she never existed, so they wouldn't have memories of her anymore. Right. Oh my gosh. Oh. Also, 2023 Nebula kills 2012 Nebula. So then, therefore, 2023 so Nebula should exist? never exist. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> my, time travel. My brain's bleeding. Time travel! Time <laughs> oh, travel. Smart Hulk, time travel! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It just, it doesn't work this way. It, I'm not, I'm... I'm a smart guy, but obviously I'm not a scientist of any sorts here. But I was just like, it does, it cannot work this way. It does not work yeah, this way. It just way. doesn't make sense. Yeah. <sighs> and I know this is all make believe science fiction, but it's still but fun. Still. It's frustrating yeah. and fun all at the same time. You know, I. I I remember one of the first movies that really got me thinking about whole time travel thing. It wasn't Back to the Future. It was actually The Time Machine. Do you remember that movie? I did a long time. Not ago. not the not the newer one with Guy Pierce, but like the original one. No, I never saw the newer okay. one. Okay. Yeah, the original. That's the movie that really got me thinking about, you know, time travel because you know, he builds this machine that literally travels through time but it doesn't move at all. So he's you stay in the same place no matter what and you travel through time. So he got to see, you know, the future and things like that. And he got to travel back. And I feel like that's just the most simplistic idea of time travel that actually works. You don't go through you don't really go through like time and move locations and stuff like that. Uh that's the same with back to the future, wherever the time machine was when he left. Is the same place it would be in the past or future. Well, I was just about to correct myself, too, because in the Time Machine movie, he only goes to the future and, you know, messes around there and then goes back to his uh, timeline or, you know, his point in time that he came from. Whereas Back to the Future, you start creating the paradoxes by going back in time. So, you know, when he traveled to the past, um, he did his best to keep everything in store but like you said you know uh his father got to punch out biff that immediately changed the timeline and stuff like that and so created that whole new timeline and when he returned so this is not a back to the future talk but i'm going to go here so when he goes back in time and he gets his father to find his courage and his father punches biff that moment right there right there creates a whole new timeline right Right. Because, yeah, his, his family is completely different when he comes back. So here... His dad's a successful book writer. And, here's my question. Yeah. 
Before he travels back in time, obviously his dad and his mom are together. They've had a family and stuff like that. And she talks about how the only reason she met George is because he fell out of that tree. What were you doing? Bird watching, George? What, Lorraine? Um, but instead, Marty is the one who gets hit by the car instead of his dad. And she has this fascination love story with him and stuff like that. They made it seem like the only reason that she fell in love with George is that he punched out Biff. But if he never did that in the original timeline, why were they together? She felt sorry for him that her dad hit him with the car. Yeah, but that was before the dance and stuff like that. You know, they were making it... Right. She fell in love with him because he he stood up for himself and he stood up for her and punched out Biff in in that timeline. Right, that that time, yeah. But what what caused them to be together in the first timeline, aside from the fact that she felt bad that he got hit with her dad's car? Okay, okay, so take Marty and take George. Marty gets hit by the car. Swap Marty for George. So the feelings that she had for Marty in that time were probably the same that she had for George. I get that. But George had, didn't get had, to punch out in the Biff. bedroom and I get and the, that so too. Where did that's they fall in that's love? What, that's why Well, I don't know. <laughs> they made it sound like the whole thing rode on I mean, the whole thing wrote on George and um, Lorraine kissing you guys. As soon as they kiss, all of a sudden, you know, the picture's restored and Marty's coming back and stuff like that. And he's back in existence and whatnot uh, because he started disappearing and everything. But, I mean, I I guess I don't understand. So, if that was what caused them to kiss was George standing up for himself. He didn't stand up for himself in the original timeline. So, how did all that happen? Sorry. Again, a random thought. We, 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 We don't know exactly what happened. Because we never saw yeah, that. I guess we never will know. Anyway, back to the movie that we're actually talking about. Yeah. Um, time travel. Time travel. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts on time travel? Oh, oh, actually, uh... I have one more thought. So I'm at the scene here where the Ancient One is talking to Bruce Banner about, uh, you know, he says, then why would uh, why would uh, Doctor Strange give up the time stone? And she's like, he what? And then she starts doubting. Which means he had to do it for he did it for a reason. Yeah, yeah. But she starts doubting that um like she believes that uh, he was the right choice, but then you know she comes to the accept the fact that maybe he did it for a reason. And I think at this point she realizes that. Doctor Strange saw the only way to win this thing. Or may- and that's crazy, too. Okay, so you have 14,605 different outcomes that he wouldn't have saw. And only one, they won. So everything had to go perfect for them to win that one. What if the only way, the one way was to accept the fact that they were stuck in a time loop. They have to be. Because every time they return the stone, it's just going to happen again. Yeah. That is, maybe that, maybe that's just the, maybe that's the thing we have to accept. Is that, that was the one way. 
that was the one way. And everything had to go perfect for that one way. In the five years that nobody was there and people were just living their lives, everything still had to go perfect for that one way to to happen. My God. <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. Um Let's let's uh let's uh kind of back off this conversation a little bit before our heads become too um mushy and uh let's talk about uh some of our favorite scenes from Endgame here. One of my favorite scenes is when they first introduced Fat Thor. Because nobody saw it coming. <laughs> nobody saw it coming. Being in the theater and then Thor just turns around, he's got this gut. He's still got a, if you look at it though, he's still got like a six pack. But he's got that gut. <laughs> And it's hilarious. I I love that scene so much. I've never actually noticed the six pack. Boy. Yeah, you can see like a little bit of a six pack there still, but he's got a gut to go with it. That was a pretty good fat suit too. It looked like it could have been his body. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was awesome. You know, like it, it, what makes it even funnier is just like you know you think of Chris Hemsworth. He's like the epitome of you know fitness and physique and stuff like that, and it just. To make him fat makes it just so much fun. It's hilarious. Well, if you watch the, if you look at the um, the movie poster for Endgame, they have Chris Hemsworth on it, but they have him as, as you know, his regular Thor self. And they, and I was, I was looking at it not too long ago, and I was like, they put uh, um, Black Panther's bodyguard on there. Deny? Yeah. I forget her last name. Walking that chick. And I was thinking, why would they put her on there and not Black Panther? And then I thought about it, and oh, they put people who weren't blipped, so they didn't give anything away. Because I forgot he was blipped, so they didn't want to give anything away with the movie poster. But then they kind of gave it away, like so. Putting Ant Man on there, we didn't know the fate of it. Well, I guess we knew the fate of Ant Man if you saw Ant Man Wasp. Never mind. Right? Yeah, we knew. He was oh, still we didn't alive know the fate of, of but we didn't know the fate of Clint until the start of this movie, and he's on the poster. Well, yeah, but I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We didn't know the fate of Captain Marvel. But she's on the poster. But everybody knew she was going to be in Endgame. Because that's the whole point of having her own standalone movie before Well, we that. knew that, but I mean, without without the standalone movie, would you have known? Aside from that little teaser at the end of Infinity War? I don't know. I get I get what you're saying. They, they, have, all the, they have all the people on there that weren't blipped, but... Right. Okay, so if we're talking about time travel, we're talking about the blip, I'm posing a question here. Tony said that bring back everything we've lost, yes, definitely. But I cannot lose what I have now. So change nothing from the past five years. Yeah. And that was all Tony. That is the reason why they did that. Was that selfish of him? Yes, but I think he's earned that right. No, I don't think he has for the for all of humanity or all of the universe because people have been suffering for five years. He wasn't. He found his family. He has a daughter now. People have been suffering because they lost so so much in that past five years. I think what he so I understand what he's saying. Yes, but whether you went back five years and started it all over. He would still have Pepper, and he would still have a daughter. 
Because I'm pretty sure she was already pregnant at that time anyways. So that wouldn't have changed. Everybody would have gotten their families back. Because you have, like, they showed at the end scene of Infinity War when uh, Fury and Hill, <clears throat> when they're driving down the road, and the helicopter crashed. So, which means the pilot probably got blipped. How many other people were in that helicopter that died? Are they coming back? Did they only bring the blip people back? Was there a plane with the pilot, or maybe both pilots got blipped, and that plane went and crashed, killing hundreds of people? Are those people well, coming right, back? Right, well, the answer to that question is, if you undo the blip, the blip never happened, therefore those crashes never happened. But that was five oh, years Oh, shit. Ago. I see what you're saying, because when they brought everybody back... Oh. Oh. So that's a very good question. Does so automatically so bringing back the blip people bring back people who were affected by were the blip? Killed, uh, right, exactly. Because a lot of people probably died as a result of that blip, whether it be a car crash, a helicopter crash, a plane crash, does or or something, or say that you're you you get uh, returned from the blip in the same spot you were taken from. If you were on a plane when you got blipped, where do you come back in the middle of the sky and just fall to your death? That's very interesting point. Really, never thought about that before. So, in my opinion, Tony was selfish. For wanting nothing that he had to change when this really affected a lot of people other than just the people that were blipped. So technically, they should have brought everything back to when Thanos snapped, you know? Or at least to right after he snapped or something. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they really don't talk about that, do they? Nope. And just like even even Aunt May in uh in um Far From Home, they have this uh she she was talking about like she has this little uh uh group now to where they're putting people in homes because like she got flipped right back to her apartment. Well, it's being occupied by somebody else because it was five years ago. Yeah. So now you're homeless. You don't have a place to live. And I'm sure that happened to a lot of people who came back. And they, they touch on that in uh, home in Homecoming. I mean, in Far From Home, they touch on that in WandaVision. And they also touch on it in uh, in Falcon and Winter Soldier, too. Hmm. But my biggest concern was the people who were killed as a result of the blip who weren't blipped. What happens to those people? You uh, pose some very interesting questions there. Yeah. I honestly just, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I've never sat there and thought about but, people who died as a result of the blip, not being blipped, just died as a result of it. Right. And there had to be a lot of them. Hmm. 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 Anywho. Hmm. I just. I'm. My brain's mush. 
I, I just don't know what to think. <laughs> um, you know, you know, and I'm sure there is somewhere out there on the interwebs explaining these ideas, or you know, fan theories anyway on these ideas. So I'm kind of just like I, I've been kind of uh, perusing through things as we've been talking here, and I come a- came across this little thing. So oh. the writers actually did talk to quantum physicists uh, when addressing the idea of time travel. And the writers um, revealed they uh, consulted with actual experts on quantum mechanics and time travel who confirmed that and said that if it could happen this way, the way they presented in the movie is one of the ways that it actually could happen. Also, the sequence of the Avengers figuring out their time travel roots is pretty much a recreation of... what it was like for the writers. What that doesn't I don't understand that little addition right there. But um quantum physicists say that if time travel were to happen, it could happen the then this is one of the possible ways. And I don't know about I don't know how to feel about that. There's another thing I read, so back to the conversation uh between Bruce Banner and the Ancient One. Uh, according to Screen Rant, uh, the cl- um, it is revealed that Thanos' snap didn't kill anybody, but merely willed the dusted, willed them out of ex- existence. And uh, they say that death is final, the snap is not. Resurrection is impossible even with the power of the Infinity Stones but the snap can be undone. So Marvel fans have wondered why Black Widow couldn't have been brought back to life after her sacrifice for the Soul Stone on Vormir. Well, both she and Iron Man died for real. While the Dusted could have been resurrected because technically they weren't deceased. With this in mind, Thanos was snapped so he technically is still alive, which means that it's perfectly possible to restore the Mad ti- Titan back to reality through resurrection. So they'd have to get the stones again. Hence, somebody they're would. stuck in a time loop. Yeah. So basically, going back to the people who died as a result of the blip, they can't come back. So that's where because Tony death is, is final. selfish. Right. That's where Tony's being selfish. All right. So uh, then I recant my answer. Yes. Tony is being selfish because he doesn't want to give up his family. He doesn't want to give up the memories that he's built over the five years with Morgan and things like that, because that that would essentially mean starting over. And he doesn't he didn't want to do that. So, yes, that is incredibly selfish of him if they were taking into account the fact that. um, A lot of people died as a result and weren't blipped. Exactly, and that death is final. Right. And I would also like to correct myself. I said they went back to like the 1940s to go get the Tesseract. I'm sorry, it was the 1970s. Yeah. But uh, I'm at that point of the movie, and I'm just like, oh, crap, my bad. No, I meant to correct you earlier. I just forgot. I heard you say it, but yeah, we started talking. So, so. <laughs> so that that actually is a very sad um, sad realization that you know death is finite, whereas the blip is not. The blip can right. be undone. But death cannot be undone. So that's why Natalie is dead. That's why Iron Man is dead. And that's why anybody who died as a result of the blip. 
Tasha. Cannot come back. Wow. That's just, that's sad. Also. It's very depressing. Okay, so when Tony snapped his fingers, he, pretty, I, I guess his thought was to get rid of Thanos and everybody associated with Thanos as is here right now, correct? And that's why they all mm-hmm. turned to dust. Was mm-hmm. Gamora part of that? She showed up with Thanos. He doesn't know her. He doesn't know she's a good guy or could be. And is that why Quill can't find her at the end of the movie? Did she get quote unquote blipped? Hmm. Hmm. You raise <laughs> you raise another very interesting question. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of holes in this movie. <laughs> just a thought. Wow. It, oh my gosh. I'm just like I don't know. Yeah, huh. So what do we got next? <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I haven't even talked about a scene in this movie that I like yet. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I'm, I talked I'm about Fat Thor, and we just kind of went off from there, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Wow, we we we, we I went. How we got into the world? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I I I'm I'm going to do a couple. Uh, all right, before I do the cheat thing and say that the end of the movie is my favorite part, um. I do like a lot of uh, the stuff that happens in the middle. So like back when we were talking about the uh, critique reviews where the one guy uh, said, you know, he did not, you could get up and leave in the middle of the movie and then come back and feel like you haven't missed anything. Well, that's not true. And yeah, I'm, not this, all. this is one of the parts right here. And I had talked about, you know, you got, you got some really rich things here and we're at the part where Tony gets to meet his father and, you know, they have like, they have a really, really f- good discussion you know, about life, about kids, about family and stuff like that. You know, I love that scene. It's, uh, I'm also here with really bad aged down Michael Douglas. Um, (laughs) I just saw that, but I just, you know, it's really, it really is such a rich scene. And if you didn't sit down and watch it, or if you walked away from the movie and then came back for the climax, you're going to get a very awesome climax, but you are missing out on a lot of wonderful things that happen in the middle. And I do like that interaction between um, Tony and his father. So I'm really glad that scene popped up just now because that reminded me uh, how wonderfully done that scene is. Uh, I I actually like all the middle stuff. A majority of my favorite things about this movie happen right here in the middle. Uh, You know, uh, again, the captain fighting, uh, captain fighting captain, Tony and his dad, um, the sadness and realization of, you know, Clint and Natasha fighting over who gets to sacrifice themselves for the sake of the world. That is, it's ultimately gut wrenching that they are both willing to die. Or do you think either, either of them would have been emotional no matter what. And I think it would have been more honestly. They go the Natasha route. I kind of understand why they go the Natasha route. You're you're more emotionally attached to her because she's been around longer. She's been a wonderful addition to the MCU since her introduction back in Iron Man 2, right? But it would also have been gut-wrenching if it were Clint because he's the family guy. He lost his family, so he thinks he has nothing left to lose. But if they succeed at what they do here, he has everything to regain, and that's why so, Natasha 
wanted to that's why natasha herself sacrifices herself it's not just yeah yeah it's not for the sake of saving the world it's for the sake of her friend and a family that she also loves she loves that family they are her family too so she's willing to make that sacrifice to see her friend happy again right either either choice was going to be gut-wrenching no matter what oh of course and I, I think they choose. I think they chose the one that made the most sense as far as if we want to, if we want people coming out of here feeling a little happy, let's give the man his family back versus yeah. the woman who doesn't have a family. I mean, outside of the Avengers, doesn't have an actual family. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, all. Uh, all my favorite stuff, all my favorite scenes, aside from the final battle, happen right here in the middle of the movie. And that's all I got to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, that's what I said. What I said. Uh, any lines or anything that you want to kind of go on here? A bunch of good lines. Of course, the, the best <laughs> one of Avengers Assemble. We finally get to say it. He almost said it at the end of Civil War. Was it Civil War? Yeah, it was Civil War. Or no, it was Ultron that he almost said it at the end of. When he said Avengers, and then they just kind of cut away. But he got to say it here. Yeah. Avengers assemble. I like Tony's final speech after his death. Uh, obviously, oh, it's not yeah. a quotable line. I can't quote it from beginning to end, but I did uh, write it down here. Uh, everybody wants a happy ending, right? But it doesn't always roll that way. Maybe this time. I'm hoping if you play this back, it's in celebration. I hope families are reunited. I hope we get it back in something like a normal version of the planet has been restored. And I'm going to insert my thought here. That's now even sadder knowing that people who did die because of the blip aren't restored. So there's still going to be that, you know, little black cloud that hangs over. Um, God, what a world universe. Now, if you told me 10 years ago that we weren't alone, let alone, you know, to this extent, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised, but come on the epic forces of dark and light that have come into play. And for better or worse, that's the reality Morgan's going to have to find a way to grow up in. So I thought I'd better record a little greeting in the case of an untimely death on my part. I mean, not that death at any time isn't untimely. This time travel thing we're going to try and pull off tomorrow. It's got me scratching my head about the survivability of it all. Then again, that's the hero gig. Part of the journey is the end. What am I even tripping for? Everything's going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. And then, sorry, I'm getting emotional here because I'm picturing the scene as it's, uh, you know, as it played out in the movie, you know, and he, his little hologram walks up and I don't know how he knows where Morgan's going to be sitting in this, but, you know, his hologram bends uh, over and looks into Morgan's eyes and says, I love you 3000. So Tony went into it pretty much knowing he was going to be a sacrifice. Maybe hoping he wasn't, but he was prepared for it. Yeah, he was prepared for it. I don't think he knew. I think he was prepared for it. I think a small part of him knew it. I I think a really small part of it did. And you know, he and he comes to that. He realizes the truth of that when he looks into Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange just holds up the one finger. 
and Tony knew it was like that. This is it. And yeah, I, I, it just makes that speech a lot more sad. I found that whole quote I was looking for. <laughs> I knew I had it. <laughs> Where he says, I don't know why everybody believes that, but that isn't true. Think about it. If you go to the past, that past becomes your future, and your former present becomes the past, which now can't be changed by your new future. And then Scott Lang says, so back to the future is a bunch of bullshit? <laughs> and um, then Cap's... Uh, huh? No, go ahead. I was going to say, Cap, right before they all went to their little time heist mission, five years ago, we lost... All of us. We lost friends. We lost family. We lost part of ourselves. Today we have a chance to take it all back. You know your teams. You know your missions. Get the stones. Get them back. One round trip each. No mistakes. No do-overs. Most of us are going somewhere we know. That doesn't mean we should know what to expect. Be careful. Look out for each other. This is the fight of our lives. And we're going to win. Whatever it takes. Good luck. He was very confident, wasn't he? <laughs> and then Rocky goes, wow, he's pretty good at that. Right? <laughs> um, I like when uh, they're uh, trying to uh, perfect the ideas of time travel and they're using uh, Scott as the guinea pig. And he comes back from the botched attempt of time travel. It's like, someone peed my pants. Not sure if it was the baby me or the old me. Or was it just Mimi? (laughs) (laughs) Or um, right before uh, Steve takes off to go return to the Infinity Stones to all the appropriate spots in the timeline, he's like, he looks at Bucky and says, don't do anything stupid until I come back. And Bucky's like, how can I? You're taking all the stupid with you. Just a little, one of those little exchanges that, you know, you got back from their days in uh, Captain America. Yep. So right there. That's why I love Bucky. Bucky knows Cap's not coming back. Of course he does. Because he says, I'm going to miss you, buddy. He wouldn't say that because technically he was only supposed to be gone for 10 seconds. He wouldn't say, I'm going to miss you, buddy, if he was going to see him again in 10 seconds. He knew he wasn't coming back. Cap told Bucky that he wasn't coming back. So that was already pre-planned. Never really thought about that before, but yeah, you're right. Uh, Yeah, I think Bucky's the only one that knew, but yeah. Oh, I've said this too. I've said this to my kids before. That thing where, uh, you know, Tony's trying to put his daughter to bed and like trying to get her to sleep, and he goes, "Go to bed, or I'll sell all your toys." I s- <laughs> I have said that to Brecken before, and he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. No, you can. He might be upset you got rid of all his toys, but he'll find something to play with. He doesn't care. Yeah, Mister Rogers. I almost forgot that suit did nothing for your ass. <laughs> nobody, nobody asked you to look, Tony. It's ridiculous. It's America's ass. I think you look great, Cap. As far as I'm concerned, that's America's ass. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a bunch of good lines. There, are, there, there, yeah. There's a lot of like good little fun lines in here and stuff like that. Um, so many stairs. So many. Uh, oh, I like this one too. When uh, Rhodey and uh, Nebula are about to get the the power stone, 
whoa, whoa, whoa. This is the part where the spikes come out and skeletons on them and everything. What are you talking about? When you break into a place called the Temple of the Power Stone, there's going to be a bunch of booby traps. Wait, I'm sorry. You kind of cut out there. What'd you say? Oh. When Rhodey and Nebula get to uh, get the Power Stone, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is the part where all the spikes come out with skeletons on the end. Oh. What are you talking about? Uh, when you break into a place called the Temple of the Power Stone, there's going to be a bunch of booby traps. Nice little Indiana Jones reference. Yeah. I, I, I thought that's what you were talking about, but you, you cut out there for just like a few seconds. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> um, or uh, when Clinton Barton says this is a long way from Budapest again with the Budapest again, teaser what here. happened in Budapest yes are we yeah. ever going to find out what happened in Budapest probably not never never and then, towards the end of the movie where uh, Thor's on the, the ship with the Guardians and Drax goes you should fight one another for the honor of leadership that sounds fair that's not necessary, okay? Doors, <laughs> it's not. Rocket, I got some blasters. Unless you guys want to use <laughs> knives, man. It's, oh yes, please use knives, Drax. Yeah, knives. I am Groot. Thor, <laughs> there will be no knifing one another. Everybody knows who's in charge. And Quill, me, right? Thor, <laughs> of course you. Yes, of yes, course. You. Of course. <laughs> of course. Um. And it's of course, I can't wait for those movies. I know you had a thought on this, so I'm going to go ahead and say this quote, and then hopefully it sparks the idea of your thought here. So when uh, you've got Captain about to do his final face-off with uh, you know Thanos, he's p- picked up his broken shield, he tightens it on his arm, he's he's just ready to die. And then all of a sudden, on the little radio, you hear Sam Wilson. Hey, Cap, do you read me? Cap, can you hear me? And then the portal opens up, and he goes, on your left. And then that's when, like, the battle, the final sequence starts going down, and everybody starts showing up. You said you had thoughts on this. Just little ones. Like, for one, he shouldn't have been able to hear him until that portal opened up. Because that's a long ways away from Wakanda to New York, you know? They got that good portal radios. hadn't opened up yet. <laughs> I know, right? That portal hadn't opened up yet, so he shouldn't have been able to hear him, for one. Two, how did everybody have earpieces? Like, people just coming out of nowhere just had earpieces, <laughs> you know? Three, where did Valkyrie get her her Pegasus from? She hasn't been Valkyrie in forever, and Asgard was destroyed, so how did she get Pegasus? Four, why is she called Valkyrie? <laughs> Does she not have a name? That's just they her just name. call her Valkyrie. Valkyrie. It's not her well, name. She, that's what she was. No, th- yeah, she that's, was a Valkyrie. <laughs> she's what remains of the Valkyrie, because right. uh, Valkyrie Hela destroyed the Valkyrie. Right, a Valkyrie were, were a, an elite fighting group, but does she not just have like a real name? No. They call her Valkyrie. It's more, it's more mystical when, well, because she's the survivor of the Valkyrie, so just she is the Valkyrie. She's Valkyrie. I guess. Um, as far as the people having the radios, I can't explain the distance thing. Like, okay, yeah, sure, that doesn't make a whole, whole lot of sense. That uh, you know, they could talk. He can hear him on the radio when what they're in Wakanda and 
you know, at the Avengers facility for the final showdown, there is a huge difference there. But as far as everybody having their radios, they ha the people who are talking on them are the ones who had them when they blipped. So the Avengers facing off against Thanos, of course, have their radios in and stuff like that. Valkyrie didn't have one. And even, well, even Wasp was talking to Cap on a headset. But, oh, okay. <clears throat> that, that was weird. I, I don't get the Wasp <laughs> thing. But maybe, maybe Wong? I, I don't know, because Wong had to yeah. assemble everybody. Yeah, so there, maybe was, there is a he time handed... between they snapped him back and to when they actually showed up. Yeah, so but Wong still, had to assemble everybody, and so maybe Doctor Strange went and got Wong, and then Wong went out and got everybody, and I don't know, maybe he made sure radios were handed out. I have no idea. There, There's a lot of stuff that, like you said, that happened between the undoing of the snap and the showing up of everybody. So, I mean, there's just there's many ways to explain how everybody got a radio all of a sudden. Uh, I can't explain Pegasus. I really can't. Um, maybe as they were... Uh, gathering all the refugees of Asgard and stuff like that, they managed to find... Or maybe she just... Maybe she kept Pegasus hidden somewhere. Who knows? Could be. And then she went and got it. Like, hey, Wong, open up a portal. I gotta go get my horse. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe the horse was there at New Asgard, and she had already rescued it. I don't know. Okay, this scene that is happening right now on my TV bugs the heck out of me. Which one? Avengers compound getting completely annihilated by missiles yeah how, how did, did not one person die yeah this, I it, mean, this is completely up in smokes completely annihilated but not one person died mm -hmm. that makes no sense at all technically everybody should have died except for maybe freaking thor but not one person died yeah no it, that i agree that's one of those kind of like unbelievable moments like, uh, okay, well, I mean, there if that like happened in real life, there would be down. like, right, everybody would be dead, so I don't know. There was 10 missiles that came down on them, and everybody lived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't make any And I don't know why they had to destroy the compound like that. They'll rebuild. <laughs> right. Tony's got, oh, Tony's not around anymore, but, you know, I'm sure he left the Avengers all sorts of money. They'll rebuild. Yeah. Hulk knows that he's got to be the one to undo the snap. Oh, Hulky. Um, yeah, I really don't have um, much more in the uh, way of lines. Yeah, How about you? Again. Okay. I'm looking. I'm, I don't think I have anything else either. Uh, we we basically spent the entire episode talking about it. But are there any other plot holes or nitpicks about this movie that uh, we want to address? Let's see, let me go through my notes here. I got about that time travel. Uh, oh, my next note actually is no one dies in the headquarters when heavily bombed. We just talked about that. Uh, fun, fun. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Calf stays in the past. We already discovered that our talked about that. Why Sam chose, or why he chose Sam to take the shield instead of Bucky. Okay, so this. In Guardians of the Galaxy 1, they said that no human could, or I guess, well, it doesn't have to be human, but no, no one could wield, wield a, a an infinity, uh, infinity stone. stone. Right. 
basically hold it in your hand, you know? Mm-hmm. So why, after Natasha sacrifices her, her life, Clint wakes up in that puddle with the stone in his hand? Because... I believe that's a stone that isn't active unless you are actually actually trying to use it. So I think that's just a stone. What does the stone as- actually do? I think that's like one of the only ones that wasn't actually used. No, it's just, it's it just a people's souls or yeah. I think that's that's kind of like the that's kind of like the key ingredient for you know doing what he needs to do. You know. It's going to be the keeper of the souls. So when he snaps and he wills people out of existence, the soul stone, I believe, is a key part of that. Same thing that you need it to will people back into existence. So as far as the soul stone is concerned, it's one of those things I think you have to actively be using it for its purpose for it to, you know, whatever energy or anything like that. You know, so people could only wield the blue tesseract or, you know, that stone, when it was in the form of that Tesseract block and stuff like that. Uh, we already talked about it in Infinity War, about how uh, the reason uh, Quill was able to hold um, that stone was because he's part god. And even still, it was the power of it was destroying him. He, they, they had to divide the power of that stone between all of them in order to truly wield it. and um, And that's why... Thanos had to have the Infinity Gauntlet to wield the stones, and it caused, and it obviously damaged him in the process of using it. It damaged the Hulk in the process of using it, and it killed Tony in the process of using it. You know, you got Thanos, who's already a strong creature as it is, um, you know, not human, but, you know, uh, super strength and all that stuff. So he's able to wield the power but with minimal damage, Hulk is able to wield the power with minimal damage because of his mutation. But Tony is still human and all the nanotechnology in the world and in his suit isn't going to stop that power from surging through him. Which is why he dies. True, true. So I, I kind of get what I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no human can... It's the same thing with like the time stone. You know, you they could technically hold the green time stone. It's one of those things where it doesn't emit an energy unless it's actively being utilized. Yeah. So whereas the purple time stone, I think is like always or purple time stone. The, the purple stone. stone, the power stone is always yeah. energized and things like that. The uh the blue uh stone is always energized. The mind stone is always energized. Fair enough, that makes sense. I'll take it. <laughs> what you got? What else you got? So if if Cap's shield was made out of vibranium, which is one of the strongest metals, then what the heck was Thanos' sword made out of? Because it freaking destroyed Cap's shield. That's a very good question. I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> also, I was kind of wondering this too. Uh, so I actually looked it up, but... Um, I don't know what I did with my findings on it, though. <laughs> I was kind of curious which one was stronger, vibranium or antimantium. And what I found was antimantium is actually stronger 
but it's made from vibranium. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what I did with all that research I looked up on. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I was just curious about that. And Bucky's original arm was actually made from titanium because that's the hardest metal that Hydra could find or that they had access to. But, but his the, second arm was vibranium. Yeah, once Wakanda yeah. gave it to him. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, here's that quote from Tony. We have a shot of getting the stones, but I got to tell you my priorities. Priorities. Get back what we lost, I hope. Yes. Keep what I found. I have to at all costs. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so, after after discovering what we now know, yes, that's very selfish of him. Yeah. But Tony's also human. So I'm, I'm yeah. not trying to rationalize his uh, behavior here, but, you know, that's probably the most basic human response. He doesn't want to lose what he has. So you remember in Guardians of the Galaxy 1, when Quill got the Power Stone, he turned around and the Kree were right there behind him? Mm-hmm. Trying to take it from him? Mm-hmm. How come they weren't there in Endgame? Because Nebula and Rhodey took the Power Stone at the exact same time that Quill would have. So technically, the Kree should have been right there with them, too. Oh, that's a good question. Huh. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. Uh... Yeah, that's all I have. All the rest of the stuff is already stuff we've talked about. Cool. And I really don't have anything. I don't think. I'm just taking one last look through my notes. I feel like there's like a whole lot more to talk about, though. <laughs> oh, um, there was this really cool little thing that I did read. Here it is. Um, this is not really a nitpick, but it's kind of going back to the little time travel thing. So. Uh, Rhodes actually uh, lists several time travel themed movies uh, throughout uh, the discussion. Um, right. you know, it changes the past, therefore changes the future and stuff like that. Uh, but he actually mentions um, one movie, 2009's Star Trek. And the whole time travel theory is actually similar to the idea of this movie. So when Spock Prime traveled to the past, all the changes made did nothing to affect his own timeline. So you know, everything that happened in Spock Prime's timeline went unaffected, but he created this new timeline and he sought to make sure that this timeline went very similar to his own. Obviously, it's never going to be 100% the same because of, uh, because of the nature of the 2009 storyline. But ideally, what we're seeing is what would have played out between, you know, young Kirk, young Spock, and all that stuff that we didn't get to see from the original Star Trek series. So the uh, the simple idea here is, is that, yes, when you go back in time, you're going to, again, create a whole new time line, but you're also trying to fight to keep it as similar to the one you left, just without just remove all the negative changes. Again, now my brain's hurting. I don't know why I decided to talk about this. <laughs> I like the I like the pop culture reference. Good job for Rhodes. Um, <laughs> no, I got nothing else. I, I, Cap I, I just really picked got... up me on there. One of the best scenes. Nice. 
I don't know how we didn't talk about that. He's worthy. He's always worthy. He's always been worthy. I think he could have picked it up in in Ultron. He just chose not to. Or he just wasn't quite worthy yet. I think he was worthy then. Out of all the Avengers, Cap is the purest. He's never done anything for his own gain. He's never done anything for his own... He's he he's watched people die around him and he while it makes him sad, he never once tries to, you know, except for here. The whole point is, is that he wants to go back and change the time and stuff like that. But, you know, he is the purest of all the Avengers here. So that's why I think being just purely human, he is the worthiest of all of them, which is why he can pick up the hammer. I agree. Yeah. You know, and Thor can do it because he's a god. That's his job. And of course, well, you know, there well, was a time period he couldn't pick yeah, it up. Yeah, he couldn't but. either because, uh, because Odin put that little enchantment on it. Whoever is worthy of Thor will be worthy to pick yeah, up. Yeah, to prove his worthiness again. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What do you rate this movie? Eight. Eight? Okay. How come? Yeah. Um. I don't know. Just, uh, <laughs> well, I actually didn't write down what I rated this movie, so this is kind of you're making it head. up of it. Yeah. 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 Um. I don't know. Eight. I think eight's a good rating. It's mm-hmm. got all the stuff you want in it. It's it's fun. It's uh got all the Avengers. It's got an awesome final battle fight scene. Um. Yeah, there are a lot of plot holes that we discussed. Um, but overall, it's, it's, it's a fun movie to watch. I agree. I, I literally have nothing to add to that. Eight was going to be my answer, too. Yeah. Yeah, nothing. It's just... It's a lot of fun. It hits you in all the right places. It, get, it brings you 10 years worth of nostalgia altogether. It's just... It could have been a lot worse. It really could have been. They could have really, you know, done a bang up job of this, but they did. They did great. They did the best they could. I agree. I don't think they could have done. I don't think we rated better. the last one. Do we? Do we rate in, uh, Infinity War? I honestly, don't remember if we did or not. But uh, why, don't, why don't we just go ahead and? I would have given that one a nine. We did rate it. Did we? Yeah, we could. We have. I don't remember. It. We rated it. As soon as you said nine, I'm just like, wait a minute. We rated it. <laughs> we did. Um, well, I've got some. I've got some miscellaneous thoughts here that I would like to share. Well, not miscellaneous okay. thoughts. Some miscellaneous uh, things about this movie. So, when the Marvel logo appears at the end of the closing credits, the sound of a hammer hitting metal can be heard several times, and this is in reference to Tony Stark forging his Iron Man suit from the very first movie. Huh. Well, that's cool thought that was interesting the six main avenger actors get their own special credit each actor gets a montage of their characters in action and then and then they appear in profile with their signature and this was done specifically because of how they ended star trek 6 the undiscovered country giving all the original actors that same type of um ending with the signatures and things like that uh even though for a few of them, it was not their last time ever appearing in a Star Trek movie. Um, 
but that was their last time all appearing together in a Star Trek movie. The Marvel logo at the opening removed all heroes who got blipped. Wait, say that again? So you know how the Marvel logo at the beginning of the movie, uh, within the actual letters of Marvel, they show all the uh, all the different heroes and stuff like that, like different yeah. scenes from all the movies. They specifically redid it to remove images of anybody who got erased in the last movie. So it was oh, really? only people who had survived or, you know, huh. not been blipped. Go back and rewatch it. Yeah. I actually did. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, because... Like one of the always one of the most noticeable things was Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Witch uh, during uh, uh, during one of those scenes. While she's not there anymore, uh, Black Panther's not in it anymore. So yeah, yeah. It, all the people who got blipped were erased from that opening montage. Uh, there are no mid credits or post credit scenes in this is the only MCU movie to have neither. Mm-hmm. And there was no point to have it. Yeah, there wasn't. You didn't, there, there'd have been nothing to put. Yeah. Uh, this, again, like we discussed in Infinity War, this is not the closing chapter of um, Phase 4. Uh, far far from home ended up being closing chapter. This is the closing chapter of the saga. So there was right. just no reason to have any kind of, wow, I'm at the scene where Thanos' uh, sword has just destroyed that shield. Yeah, I forgot how much so that's of a why, that's why I wanted, that shield got. <laughs> that's why I want to know what his, his sword was made out of. By the way, I love the scene right here, too, because this is an exact reference to Age of Ultron. So Ultron, mm-hmm. Ultron did give us some nice little gems, despite being a bad movie. <laughs> it did. It really did. <laughs> it set up a lot of stuff. It did set up a lot of stuff. Uh, and then those are the only things I really have for miscellaneous. So Robert Downey Jr. officially surpassed Hugh Jackman's record for most appearances in a film as the same superhero with 10. Nice. He set the record in only 11 years, whereas Jackman did it in 17. Wow. Oh, my God. That just made me feel uh, made me feel old. 17 years. I remember no, 2000, the, yeah. yeah, it was 2000. I remember that first X-Men movie. Uh, oh, I was so happy when it came out. Oh, then so I was I. It, I was so disappointed. Oh, I still loved I it. So I don't care how disappointing it. Uh, it was. I loved it. When Avengers Endgame passed Titanic at the box office total, James Cameron sent a congratulatory message to Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios on dethroning his film <laughs> with a photo of the Avengers A being the, the iceberg, iceberg that sinks the Titanic. I remember that. That was that was funny. Um, yeah. I don't think James Cameron ever expected, though, Avatar to be dethroned. That was a uh, Titanic. I know, I know, I know. But, you know, the oh. top two highest grossing films of all time oh, yeah, were yeah, both yeah, James yeah. Cameron films, Avatar and then Titanic. So I don't think he, you know, while it was funny and he congratulated them on Titanic, I don't ever think he yeah. ever thought Avatar was ever going to be dethroned. And sure enough, it was. Um, going back to Robert Downey Jr., I also read that he was the only actor who got to read the entire script from beginning to end. Yeah, I read that too. Yep. Uh, the film earned $60 million in Thursday night previews alone, breaking the $57 million record held by Star Wars The Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, here's a little, uh, here's a little something. So we were talking about Natalie Portman's uh, appearance in this film. So while she did not actually shoot any new scenes, she did do voiceover work for the scene that oh, okay. they did feature her in. So fair enough. She was brought back to do that voiceover work, and uh, even though she didn't uh, didn't shoot any new scenes or anything like that, she was in attendance at the film's premiere with the rest of the cast. Because she was involved in the making of the film. Ah, uh, everybody's cool. coming back through the portals. Oh, uh, I love it. Um, what she got? I don't think I have anything else. Oh, uh, this is an interesting one. So this is the first film where Robert Redford has returned to play a role for a second time. He has never once oh, really? in his career huh. ever played the same role twice. That's interesting. Yeah. So that's the power of the MCU, people. Yeah. <laughs> that's the power. Uh, I've got, I've really got nothing else. Uh, this is just... Oh! Oh, no, never mind. I'm sorry. Uh, I already talked about that. So... This is it, guys. I mean, we're going to see a lot of these characters again as the MCU continues to move forward beyond uh, Phase 4. The rumors are that, you know, Chris Evans is going to reprise his role as Captain America at some point, whether it's going to be in the next Captain America movie via flashbacks or stuff like that. Um, I don't think we will... There's also a rumor that Tony Stark or like Robert Downey Jr. would reprise his role at some point, especially like if Spy- the next Spider-Man movie starts doing its uh, multiverse thing. Uh, I I really hope, as much as I enjoy seeing Tony Stark uh, on screen, that this is it. I mean, it was it was just yeah, the perfect too. send off. Let's just leave him that way, please. There's no point in bringing him back. But you know what? Agreed. Actors do crazy things and studios do crazy things. So we'll see. But for a majority of these people, we're going to continue to see them. And what I love about it is that it set them up to do more joint things together. So it's going to be nice that the Guardians are going to be working with Thor. So we're going to see them on screen a lot more now. Uh, we're going to see uh, a lot more of um, you know Scarlet Witch working with Doctor Strange and everything. Uh, so these team-ups actually exist now. And it's thanks to movies like this that allow those team-ups to happen and make a lot more sense. So uh, I'm real. I know I was very hesitant to say I'm excited for um, the future of the MCU, but it's going to be very interesting to see how uh, the future of the MCU goes, especially when you're going to be introducing new characters into the mix. Uh, You've had some unexpected shakeups like the unfortunate uh, death of Chadwick Boseman. Uh, So he will not be reprising his role as Black Panther, but the so many possibilities that you can continue to carry on the Black Panther storyline with his sister taking on the mantle which that's the big expectation is that because that she does that in the comics, she takes on the right. role of Black Panther. So it would only make sense that she can they take on have her take on the role of Black Panther in uh, moving forward and stuff like that. So that kind of stuff is going to be exciting to see. Uh, so there's a lot that's going to and they're pulling out all the stops too. you know, as far as getting bigger names to be in these uh, films and stuff like that. So, you know, we thought we saw a lot of uh, big names in this one. It's just going to continue rolling forward as uh, the phases progress. So uh, 
There's a lot of uh, unanswered questions. Like you brought up a very good one I hadn't thought about. Where's Gamora and all this? And I'm sure we're going to find that out in either the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie or maybe even a little bit in uh, the next Thor movie since they are going to be featured prominently in that. You know, there's so many different ways that they could take this. Again, my only fear is, is that Marvel has become too big for itself. And at some point it's going yeah, to start it collapsing. I know. I hope that doesn't happen. And I and, hope they, they know when to end it. Yeah, that's exactly it. You've got, you can't let it get to the point to where it starts crashing on itself. You've got to give it, if I were Kevin Feige, Disney, Marvel, all of those people, they need to, if they haven't already done so, they need to sit down and they need to say, this is our absolute end right here. Yeah, this is, this is where point. we got to stop. And just like I said in the last one, if they would have ended it with this movie, I'd have been perfectly happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would have been perfectly happy too. Wouldn't need anything else in the world. This is it. Yeah. But of course, you, we all know that's not the case. That's never the case. Money. Money, money, money. Money. Um, so yeah, that's the these movies, ten years. Eleven, technically. Eleven years of our life. And it just, it feels like a lifetime. It really does. I feel like we watched yeah. a lifetime of movies in 11 years. Yeah, it's amazing what they did in 11 years. There wasn't a year we didn't have a Marvel movie. Not one. Oh yeah. Huh. I'm trying I'm I'm really trying to think back on this. So we had two and two that I'm pretty sure there was a there was never a year that went by without a Marvel movie. Starting in 2008 through 2000 Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'd have to go look. 2020, we didn't get a Marvel movie, did we? Well, no. Oh, I thought you were going until like Endgame. No, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, until between, between Iron did. Man and Endgame. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah every year we had Endgame, at least one Marvel been. movie. Yeah, last year we were supposed to have uh, Black Widow, but they it never came out. That's right, it got pushed, so they would have kept that. So, uh, um, right, yeah, all right. So, okay, yeah. So, I mean, that that that's an amazing feat for any franchise to be able to put out movie after movie after movie like that. A total of twenty three movies in eleven years. That's insanity. Crazy. We're never going to get another franchise like it in our lifetime. Nope. And now we've got TV shows too. Yeah. Yeah. TV shows in the mix. Again, still playing on the idea that I feel like they're getting a little too big for themselves, but I like how the TV shows are also filling in some of the blanks. Those are just nice ways to fill in blanks. Yeah, me too. Without, I mean, WandaVision, as quirky as it was in the beginning, ended up becoming such a really fascinating show. And it worked better as a show than as a movie because they could spread out the story just a little bit more and give us just some more details and stuff like that. And I'm sure Falcon and the Winter Soldier worked the same way. So uh, TV shows have their have their place uh, in here as those fillers and, you know, stuff to, you know, keep us going. Um, yeah. Keep us going into uh, until the next movie. So. And I am out of thoughts. I am too. I'm watching <laughs> Daniels get the crap beat out of him right now. 
oh yeah, I'm watching Elizabeth Olsen, Scarlet Witch, just go to town. Um, yeah, and she could have killed him. She was about to kill him too. Yeah, until he said uh, rain fire, and they started mis- uh, or bombing everything. I think she was power- powerful enough to kill him. There's one thing. All right, I have got one more thought. I lied. One thing I wish they could have done, and I don't know if it's because they just didn't want to get the original act, or the original actor didn't want to come back, or they just didn't feel like it was necessary for the storyline. I would have loved in all their time traveling if uh, they would have brought Quicksilver back. I liked that. Ver- I-, I like Evan Peters version of Quicksilver. Don't get me wrong. I actually think it's a better Quicksilver, but I didn't not like the other version of Quicksilver from the MCU right. either. But he is dead, dead. So there's no resurrection. He's dead, dead. Yeah, yeah. So he's dead, dead. Um, so that's just my final thought. There's dead and there's dead, dead. Yeah. And uh, he was dead, dead. They killed him until he died. It's a yeah, fight to the that's death. That's what killing you means. <laughs> he woke up dead. How do you wake up dead? He woke up dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite exchanges from the movie Scary Movie 3. He woke up dead. How do you wake up dead? How do you wake up dead? You go to bed, and you're alive, and when you wake up, you're dead. Well, how do you wake up? <laughs> Uh, anyway, so guys, that's our take on Infinity War. That's our take on Endgame. And that, again, that's us just scratching the surface at this 23 movie behemoth of a franchise. And I'm now inspired, you know, I'm inspired to, I'm probably going to do like Robert suggested one movie a week for 23 weeks. And I'm going to get, there you go. Cause I got such a busy schedule, but I can find time to do a rewatch of this. And for those of you who want a lot more of an in-depth dive into the MCU, Robert and I have talked about it on past episodes. Uh, there's a wonderful podcast over from the ringer network called binge mode. And they just completed a dive into the entire MCU and including every movie that has been released so far, as well as a dive into uh WandaVision. I'm not sure they've touched on Falcon and the winter soldier, Robert. Do you know if they have or not? I, I don't know. I, I haven't listened to any of the WandaVision. I'd listened to all three 23 uh, MCU movies. Yeah. But I haven't listened to WandaVision yet. Okay. But yeah. They're very good. Like very, very in depth. Yeah. Uh, Mal and Jason do an absolutely phenomenal job. I fell in love with them when they were doing their deep dive of Harry Potter and uh, I actually re-listened to that whole uh, series not too long ago. They've done deep dives into Game of Thrones, Star Wars. I, I'm promise I'm not trying to cool. plug another podcast here. But if you really like deep dives, deeper, deeper, deeper dives where they really get into the nitty gritty, the, these seasons are absolutely amazing over at Binge Mode. And uh, I highly recommend uh, if you want a really big in-depth MCU dive, go check them out. They're really awesome. Uh so I think this is a very good point to go ahead and start wrapping this up. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on this journey through the MCU. I've had a lot of fun. Robert, I know you've had a lot of fun doing this. Oh, yes. Uh, and Tons of fun. Just so y'all know, Robert and I are never going to stop talking about our little tangents of the uh, MCU. We're always going to go on an MCU or Star Wars tangent in all of our episodes. That's just who we are because that's just what we who do. We are. That's what we do. That's what we do. Uh, so uh, I'm not going to preview next week's episode yet because I actually have a couple on deck and I'm not sure which one I want to go with yet. So uh, y'all are going to have to just be surprised. So uh, in the meantime, I encourage you all continue to be safe, but 
go see a movie. Things are opening up again. They are started relaxing some of the rules here in North Carolina. We can actually go without masks nice. during certain places and stuff wow. like that. It's it's a very interesting time to be alive. But uh, yeah, go see a movie. If you're still not comfortable with it, sit down on your couch and watch a movie. There's a lot of great movies out there. And of course, join us every single week as we go to the movies ourselves. I'm Chuck, and I hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day. And that's how we do. And that's a wrap. That's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>